Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. And welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being with us here for episode number 166. It is Monday, February the 24th, 2020, and we are here again to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. As always, I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy, Quinn February is thankfully drawing to a close. Yeah. Well, early as usual. Yes, yeah. uh, it's, but, I'm very happy about know, this, though. You know my problems with I February. know your problems, but it actually, for as short as it is, and now we have the extra day, it happens to be my least favorite month. I don't know what it is about February. It's just, it's cold. It's cold, it's, usually. It's like, when's the... It's bleak. You're like, when's the spring coming? Right, it's like, like Russia over here, just yeah, like bleak and gray. Siberia of months. The Siberia of Nikolai months. Volkov's favorite month. Yes, it is, of course. But folks, thank you so much for joining in again as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some great topics in store for you. Probably none of them have to do with uh, the month of February. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you, if you have a Twitter, you can follow us there at OVP Podcast. We have some great videos there that we try to post on a daily basis, old wrestling clips and stuff. Again, that's at OVP Podcast on Twitter. You can also email us if you use the long form email at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is VP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a great place on the internet to talk to you and me and hundreds of other retro wrestling fanaticals. Where is that, Michael? Right. Facebook.com slash Siberia. Yes. It's, it's a barren wasteland of posts and gifts and all that stuff. And questions and comments. And Sometimes cons- concerns. C- concerns, but again, barren. Baron Corbin. It, they're few and far between. Right. The cur- concerns. Yeah, there's the not Steve many. Kern. <laughs> they're, they're all over the place. He's talking about Steve Kern. But you got to get there first, right? Obviously. Oh, yeah, sorry. How do you do that? So there's a search bar in the Siberian orchestra over here, and you type in our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast, Bing Bam Boom, Tubes Gore, Kaflui, you're there. There's a group, and you join it, and then the operators, you know, the people who operate that stuff, they let you in. We'll let you in. Yeah, that's it. Now, what the point of the group is, right, it's to have, like, fun. <laughs> right. It's, it's the fun time America of, right. of groups. Of retro wrestling groups. We're nice to each other. In fact, we've we've encompassed the whole umbrella of not being a jerk into one very easy-to-remember phrase, and it is simply, don't, don't be, be a, a dingus. dingus. Okay? So when you go to the group, say hi to Chuck Mess. Right. Don't be a dingus. And beyond that, talk about anything from the world of retro wrestling. We're talking WF, WCW. AWA, I guess, if Maybe you want even to. WE. Yeah, WE. A little yeah. current, too, is yeah. fine. Uh, have fun over there. Go to our Facebook group. Really, it's a fun, different type of group, and I think you'll like it. And uh, later on in the show, we're going to have some information about our Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Last week, WrestleMania 5 came out, and if you want to get your ears on that, you can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast on the $5 tier. WrestleMania 5 will be there for you, and every pay per view since WrestleMania 1 is available. Yeah, OVP and style. If you want a preview of that uh, pay-per-view review, listen to last week's yeah, true. review because that is uh, chock full of WrestleMania 5. It really is. But Quinn, this season we've been chock full of influences. We are talking about things that have influenced wrestling as we have it today, right? So, for example, 
Last week, we talked about Roddy Piper and Piper's Pit. Mm-hmm. We've talked about superstar Billy Graham. Yeah. Things like that. And this time around, we're talking about an actual promotion. Oh, are we now? This is ECW. ECW. Yeah, ECW. Extreme Championship Wrestling. Extreme. Or Eastern Championship, <laughs> yeah. depending on when you watched it. Exactly. So, a very brief background on ECW. It was originally, kind of the genesis of it was the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance by uh, Joel Goodhart. Oh, boy. He eventually sold his shares of it to a fellow by the name of Todd Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. And Todd Gordon operated this company as Eastern Championship Wrestling in the Northeast here until 1994 when it became Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yes. This is a very abridged history, right? Yeah. Paul Heyman then bought the company in 1997. He had mm-hmm. been the creative force. Yeah, ever since basically like Eddie Gilbert got tossed out Right. He stunk. September. <laughs> He wasn't so hot stuff, was he? Uh, In September of 93, that happened. And Paul Heyman ran ECW all the way until 2001, closed it, and eventually sold off all the assets to Vince McMahon. You might have heard of him. Yeah, he's a guy. He's a guy. He's a guy who does wrestling. So that's your very, very cliff notes on the uh, ECW history. But how could ECW be so influential? Well, let's talk about what they did, Quinn. Right. So this promotion was very strange because... It was an indie, I feel, when there wasn't too much of it left. It's like after the territories of the NWA kind of collapsed for the most part. Right. It had this weird distinction of kind of being the last territory standing, but not because it was like good or something, but just because of like, I don't know, like when they started. And you're talking about it as Eastern Championship, right? Right. When it started. Yeah. Because, yeah, if you look briefly, if you look at the landscape, AWA is gone by that point. Right. One, right. What you do have is the USWA which is kind of what it is. It's not yeah. going to ever go beyond that. And Cornettes, in the same, by the same token, Smoky Mountain, same yeah. style thing, right? It, they just are what they yeah, are. It's kind of like this confluence of like that, where their location is and right. like their attitude to what they brought to the table. And right. just, you know, just they, they, they seem to be at the right place at the right time when there was this vacuum of like no territories left. Right. Well, as I said, he's the former Mr. New Jersey, which is like being the... Uh the healthiest man in the Betty Ford Clinic, you know, in Jersey. What a dump that state is. They had to put eaters on all the bridges. When it was Eastern Championship Wrestling, it wasn't really as, lack of a better term, extreme as people would later see. Right. So it started out as kind of just, you know, a normal territory, right? Right. They, they didn't seem to know what to do with it. And then, basically, Paul Heyman came in, right? He was hired... There's a couple of early episodes where he's like announcing and he basically says, I work here now. Yep, and he's uh, Paulie dangerously. Right. So you think at first this guy's just a manager and he starts to he he brings in the first episode that he's on. I know Sabu comes in, yep. the public enemies there, like basically like all of a sudden it just starts to shift from all these like local talent people who you know really aren't right. that good. Guy in like guys in like Zuba stripe type tights, you know yeah. what I mean with names like AJ Wright. I'm making that up, but you right. know what I mean with yeah. the half mullet like exactly. Mike Gallego exactly. or something and, like and that. And like Sandman still in like wrestling trunks. Like the surfer so, tights. Yeah, like stuff <laughs> like that, suit. right? So it's very weird. Paul just comes in and just creatively just changes absolutely everything that's going on and this right. is where the influence comes in, right? Right. And one of the cues that I think he took from, because we also like to talk about what influenced the influencer, yeah. is uh, down in uh, the South there, there was a promotion in the 80s 
Continental Championship Wrestling. Right. If you look back at Continental, it plays out a lot like a prototype of ECW. Very all over the place. I don't want to say extreme just yet. Grit, though. Gritty. Gritty. And, like, lots of brawls. Lots of, like, unexpected things happening. Blood. Yeah, and Paul actually got his start over there. Yes. And he brought a little bit of that influence, a little bit of that, still that Southern charm of WCW, I guess, with his, you know, the way. With his, yeah. Yeah, the way Southern wrestling is with its, like, more wrestling focus. Sure. It's like that kind of thing. So Paul brought that in, and he basically made this promotion where you would turn this show on, and literally, like, anything could freaking happen. It's, like, not like how Vince McMahon says anything happens in WF. Right. He said that later. Yes. Like, (laughs) Paul Heyman's ECW, you didn't know what the shit was going to happen, right. right? Like, you'd be watching one episode, there'd be a cruiserweight technical match with Rey Mysterio or something. And Malenko, you watch say. the next match, and someone's fucking falling off the ceiling. Right. Uh, like, I, it's, yes, it, no, like, it's it was, real, like, all though. over the place. And one of the things in-ring was, let's talk about the in-ring, right, that ECW did. Presentation-wise, they looked like they were a freaking local promotion, because they were. They were mainly in the Bingo Hall, Viking Hall in Philadelphia. But they dressed that up. I want to give them a little credit there. Yeah. They, they used that to their advantage. They did. That was the point. The aesthetic was very homemade, DIY, very punk aesthetic, very grunge aesthetic, you know, right. very gritty street. Because if you look over at WWF in 93, 94, 95, it's brightly colored. There's pyro. It's just like everything is flashy and in your face. And even WCW during that same time was trying to do the same thing. Terry Funk wrapped up with a barbed wire and Johnny Grunt's kicking away. So Heyman just did this earthy, down home, like, here's our camera. Here's yeah. our other camera. Exactly. It's dark. It's smoky. The fans are sweaty and loud and rude. And they love it, too. And, and they love he it. took advantage of the fact that the fan right. base was so into it. Yes. Right? They were hardcore. The same guys would show up every week. Yep. It had this feel that I always like to say about it as far as its influence in the looks department. It felt like a fight club. The first rule of fight club is you do not talk about fight club. Yeah. Like, it felt like this underground thing. Borderline the, illegal. The, yeah, borderline illegal. The way it was presented was in such a way where, I don't know if this was, like, the hope or whatever, but they it's almost like they even used the fact that they were on weird hours of the night well, yeah. as, like, a, kind of, like, a way to say, like, yeah, this is too rough, yeah, like, to right. be on, like, during when regular wrestling. Right. Like, you have to stay up. It might be on at 2 in the morning. It might be on at 4, four in, the in the morning. You don't right. know. It's like, it, you know what that, in my brain, no no joke as a kid i was like oh man it's like kind of renegade right maybe they can only get that time they have to like week to week like Just figure out what time they're gonna be yeah, on right can, where they can get into the feed right that might not be far from the truth yeah. honestly in the ring not only do they do the hardcore matches that everyone knows him for but like quinn mentioned you might see ray mysterio and dean malenko and all these guys eddie guerrero was there chris benoit was there there was really good in-ring wrestling as well. And one of the things that Paul Heyman, I think, had an influence on indirectly was WCW and WWF around 96, 97. They certainly took cues from him, whether it was a direct influence or not, but the grit that they developed. Yeah, the grit. I think also the the major thing that WF took from them was the controversial aspect of it. So ECW would do things like um, there was an incident where a kid got beat up or tortured in singapore with a singapore cane or something because yep. he committed a crime so yep. he had to take lashes or whatever caned, yep. so paul took that out of the news right and he said you know what we're gonna have the sandman versus tommy dreamer in a singapore cane match and if you lose you have to get like lashed like right. this kid on tv or whatever yep. thank you sir may i have another tommy what are you thinking and this thing fucking made tommy dreamer 
Like, oh, it did. The, the, but this this Singapore cane aspect was so controversial at the time. Like to watch this man get caned on fucking TV, and not not only that, he's like, "Yes, sir, may I have another?" Yep. I, the, all those things. Like, woman is like egging it on. Sure. Like all this shit. Like it's stuff like that that Vince took and he looked at and he's like, there's something to this. There's something to it, yeah. I want to talk about their influence. They obviously push boundaries, but I have, you know, this is not a criticism, but it's easy to push the boundaries and be controversial when the stakes are so low. Right. They didn't have big sponsors. They didn't have a national deal. They, You know what I'm saying? Well, to me, and honestly, I don't fault them because, like you said, they didn't have much to lose. So no. why the fuck not? Right? Exactly. Like, you know, you know what I mean. Right. Like if you're if you're at this disadvantage where you want to even not even just compete with Vince, you just want to stay in business. Like right. I mean, I feel like that's always the arc of ECW in the back end of it. Stay in business. It's always it always felt like even from the beginning that they're one day away from going out of business. Absolutely. And that's how every show was. Yeah. It's just like we got to do. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever we got to do, right? Yep. And I'll give Paul Heyman a lot of credit. He made a lot of stars. One of his trademarks was to emphasize their strengths and hide the weaknesses. He did that with guys like Sandman. He did that with Sabu. did that with Tommy Dreamer, Raven. I mean, you name it. He made a lot of names that later went on to either of the big promotions. And I think a lot of these angles, I mean, we don't have time to highlight all of them, but a lot of these angles and character archetypes, that is what influenced it. Like Raven. For example, sure. were, I'd never seen a wrestler like Raven before that came Agreed. out, right? Like this grungy, like he's sort of like Nirvana or something, yeah. and he's yeah. like emo and sad, but he's he's deranged, <laughs> and, yeah. and, he, and he's kind of he's kind of like you know my parents treated me like shit and all yes. this stuff, and you know I know WCW rewrote that canon and or they whatever. Tied the Johnny Polo background kind right, of into exactly. it, which is funny. But the point is, is that there was never a character like that, right? No, Where not that he, I know of. He won. Because he could manipulate his like opponents and the people who surrounded him, like Stevie Richards, to help him, and like he took like Sandman's wife, like right. and, and made her like his disciple, like, essentially, like, and his son, yeah, like, Tyler, yeah, Tyler. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, this kind of stuff. That Raven character is just like a, a one example of like right. you didn't see things like that no. was never in wrestling before. He was like an updated version of Jake healed Jake Roberts with like, the psychology and everything. Just weirder, more disturbed. Yeah, weirder stuff. Like weirder pieces of it. How does it feel to be voted most unpopular? To not be invited to parties. I know what that feels like, Stevie Richards. I want to position a question for you, and I think I think this is true. Do you think ECW was the first promotion to have a cult following, like a real cult following? Oh yeah, without question. I don't I don't remember anything like that because the promotions were they weren't as small as ECW before. True. Right? ECW was the first, like, really micro-sized promotion to make a bigger impact than what they were. Right. Like, ECW, at one point, nationally, everyone knew what it was. Like For they, a period of time. Yeah. For a period of time, they yes. were making so much noise that WF started working with of that. Of course. Yeah, you know? Uh, do you think that they're the first promotion where the fans liked the promotion more than the wrestlers themselves? Um, it's the only promotion where I've ever heard that the first time I've ever heard where it's ch- the name of the promotion is chanted. Right. So this is uh, some people have problems with this. This idea that Dan Lopez does. Who yeah, mentioned that this. they say ECW. I, ECW. I actually I think it's ECW mm. is the rare situation where 
the fans liked both equally and they loved it. And them chanting ECW was more of a, it, it was more this like suggestion from the fan base. It's like, no, they're doing it right. Like we want like that kind of style. Thing, right, I right. Think. And when something close to that would happen where there, maybe there'd be, you know, a weapon used in a match. These I'm talking in the, the yeah. baby days of WAF trying stuff or yeah. somebody would do something controversial. Right. Everyone would be like, yeah, ECW, that's like ECW. And that's kind of how that got started. Fair. Right. Like, and, and I know it's goofy and stupid that everyone chants ECW, uh-huh. it is. but it, it represents something. It represents this. Like nowadays people, when something controversial happens, they say CM Punk, CM Punk, like it's what it means. It's not, it's, that's all I'm saying. I think the chant originated because it, you know, like any type of occult like thing, you feel proud to be a member of it and you feel right. a close allegiance to it more than a specific wrestler. Cause you might love the wrestler. Like they did this with Taz, all kinds of Sabu. Yeah. As soon as he leaves, fuck that guy. He sucked. He was yeah. never good. You know, you're more of, a, you have more allegiance to your promotion. Now which is saying something which, about which what, the promo- something what the promotion is doing. About Paul Heyman and his Q-Lead. But yeah. you know what that has carried over into the AEW versus NXT mind frame? Not only that, even these crappy, well, I don't want to say crappy, but combat zone wrestling yeah. and pro wrestling guerrilla. But Ring of Honor was even like that. That was know, the biggest ROH, one. ROH, ROH, right? right? That was a big carryover. I think one thing, tell me if you agree with this, that ECW did that has a positive impact on today is they had a, a gritty promotion where everything seemed important, where they had a variety of styles, where and, and that carried over into ROH, even into NXT and places right. like that, where you could have your hardcore matches, you could have your technical matches, you could have your goofy stuff, yep. your storylines that push boundaries. It, it did have comedy at times. It, it did, yeah. right. That's the thing. Negatives, can you think of any? I think that it was kind of stuck in a box, and I think this is really why it went out of business, was that when you're main objective is to pull out all the stops every week, be controversial and stuff. They kind of, once they plateaued, they hit this point where it was like, where else can we go with this? Right. right? And like the audience is small. Unfortunately, it's a niche it, audience. It's no a matter niche, how you slice it, it's a niche audience. It that is. You don't find wrestling audiences all the time that are looking for, it's got to be new and unique every single right. week, right? There's a lot of audiences are looking for like regularity so that they can come back to the product. They can take a break for a week or two and come back. ECW, if you miss like a week or like, I don't know, somebody could like, they could have killed off a character for all you know. Right. Like, you know, they, they were just ridiculous. Sure. I think a negative influence to an extent is that because they not pioneered necessarily, but really brought out to a bigger audience, a lot of the hardcore style other promotions took that to an extreme. Yeah, th- this was a, another negative. Is it, Its influence was almost a negative, right? Because here's the thing that happened. I, I think the hardcore style of wrestling aspect, this was a thing ECW did at first to kind of differentiate itself. Yes. And there was a peak period in ECW where it was all about the, um, like even in ECW it plateaued, like where it was all about the freaking like, wrestling all over the arena stuff yes i'd say in 99 when they brought in like jerry lynn and stuff then it kind of got more like technical but you could wrestle on the outside but they wouldn't like it wouldn't go like insane every time it got more like roh would become right but but the problem was at its height at its peak right a lot of the other promotions saw that hardcore thing and like oh we can have like a whole division like this right but the the problem is is they took it two ways wf which I kind of liked at first, but then it went off the rails, took right. it in like the direction of like false count anywhere matches and like, sure. 
you know, sometimes there'd be weapons, sometimes not, and, and took it in a comedy direction. Right. Where WCW looked at it and said, like, they went, like, to the further, and they took the WCW, like, high production value way of doing it. They had stuff, like, where they, like, had fucking a bunch of, like, cars surrounding the, off. Yeah, like, so it, with, with, like, fire yeah, like, I know. things or whatever. And, like, you see what I mean? It's, like, it's kind of, like, both. It's it makes sense from both lenses if you know each of the promotions taking it, because, like, the way WCW always did things is they, like, movie budgeted it, right? right? And, like, the way WF did things is they made it a little silly, right. like, in comedy, right? So, yeah. It, it totally makes sense. Totally makes what sense. Lens took their ideas, but the problem is, is ECW's ideas were kind of like they're very they're, narrow. They're, they're very narrow, and they're very like only in ECW. Yeah. Like you know, you look at it like it could only happen here. Right. I that's th- that's kind of the problem. Right. It's fair. Uh, I think there's two good lasting influences. I just want to go over real quick. Number one is I think it injected a lot of life into the wrestling scene, and I think without ECW in the mid to late '90s, WWF wouldn't have had to. Uh, try as hard because it, yeah it ultimately like you said injected life in but to me as a kid growing up in this era right yep. and like you know 95 96 95, like going from like 10 year old to teenager like in that span of time sure. or whatever it made wrestling seem so cool like it, yeah. made, it seemed like it felt like i was aware of something that a lot of my friends were not right. aware of that's it, well it, said watch this saturday you know in the middle of the night and i'd be like man i found this thing and and i gotta tell everyone at school about it and this is crazy right, right like sure. these guys are like is this real like yeah. is this real wrestling right. like you're not sure there's no dirt sheets to tell you what's going right, right. on you're too young to even you're too young to even know how's it going everybody this is dave Meltzer. it's so strange for a, a a thing that when I went into it, right, and I knew it was fake going when I watched WF, like when I first watched it, right, wrestling, it's fake. It's like your parents tell you that yeah, all, of course. all the you time. You know it's all real. But <laughs> you, you turn on ECW and you're like... That might be real. You'd be like, how did they fake falling off the, the balcony? Right. Like, how you, that, like yeah. you, this is, this is the things yeah. that go through your head. Like, and, how do they fake that? And it looks like they snuck a camera in to film it. Right, you exactly. Know, like, it looks gorilla style, why, you why know? Is, why are they trying to shut it off? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but that would play into right. my, my yeah, thinking. Yeah, like, yeah. well, it must be real if they're, because that, that's not, uh, that's illegal if right. you had a real fight like right, that. Right. You know, like, it was stuff like that. It was genius how it was played out and presented. They but. use their limitations as a strength. Right, exactly. Uh, and again, that reaction of like, wow, I know something that my friends know. That's what leads to that strong, for lack of a better term, brand allegiance yeah. that people have to this day with other things, which could be a negative, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, you still, I, I find it interesting when we went to WrestleMania, I want to say one more point on that thing. We ran into people um, at WrestleMania, especially at the Ring of Honor show. I remember talking to a guy there and he was talking about how he got involved with ECW because he was a fan or whatever. Yeah. And I thought this just illustrated so much about just how Was that much, Yokozuna that we were yeah, talking about? Yeah. yeah. I just illustrated so much about like how he was telling me his interactions with it. Yeah. How connected they were to their fan base. How right. anybody was allowed to get involved, right? Like yeah. they, they would take help from anybody. Yeah. It, it really was. It was a mom and pop shop. It really was. Literally. A, yeah. It literally was like a mom and pop shop. That if a fan had a good idea, they would take it. Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't give a shit. Right, right. Like, hey, that's fair. Yeah. And one final influence, I think, that is the best thing about it is we got a lot of good wrestlers that moved on to the big promotions. Yes. I, I think RVD 
Yeah, uh, RVDs. And, and, and uh, unfortunately, Taz, Taz should have been. Yeah. Taz, Taz's style really influenced. Was prototype that, that, that of, MMA style yeah. was him first. Dudley Boys. The Dudley Boys. Guerrero passed through there. Mysterio passed through there. Malenko passed through there. Yeah. Austin passed through there. And that actually helped shape his yeah, later character. Yeah, the Austin character. character shaped into what it was because right. of that. So that's like the biggest thing I think they they did is they injected a lot of life and a new twist on things for the 90s. Mm -hmm. And they gave us a wealth of talent that obviously not everyone that was there was going to succeed. It's right. just like, what's the Sandman going to do in WWF? Let's yeah, but, be honest. I mean, Raven, for Raven, Raven in WCW, and right? And WWF, yeah. technically, yeah. And the Dudleys is a big one. A, a bunch of guys like that. I think that uh, overall, their influence is good. I don't know that, again, the, the hardcore style... Got way overdone, and I'm talking in like the the smaller promotions. I don't mean like WWF. Yeah, I mean like Combat Zone and places like that it, where it, it just went nuts. It, and honestly, it's veered away from that. Even the, even the indie promotions don't yeah. do that as much anymore. Now it's like that's a special match when you can do that, right? right? Like, yeah, it's not all all it, the time. It just anymore. it took time. Yes. because ECW popularized it, and it kind of was a craze. But in the early 2000s, yeah, it, still it was, was kind of a craze. And actually, in the span of things, if you really look at like time and everything like it, 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 it didn't last as long as we think it did right. you know what and, i mean it really was only like five years or something yeah and ecw itself you know was really only hot for a few years but in those few years they did add some good things i think to the wrestling landscape so folks let us know what you think let us know if you think ecw had a good influence a bad influence no influence you can let us know that on twitter at ovp podcast join the group and tell us there or shoot us an email at ovppodcast at gmail.com. But Michael, when we come back, it is time for week three of the Royal Flush Boy. of Managers. Woohoo! We're going to pull two more out of the tank. We're going to see where they rank. It's the Royal Flush, and it is coming up right after this. No corporate sponsorships. No big name advertisers. We're politically incorrect, and we don't play by anybody's rules. Pay-per-view's hottest underground movement can't be held back anymore. Why play it safe? ECW's living dangerously live on pay-per-view. Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin. You're listening to our Vanish Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here. It's episode number 166, and it is Monday, February the 24th, 2020. Hey, Michael. Hi. Hey, uh, we have Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. I've heard that website before. That's the URL. URL. And you are in luck if you want some pay-per-view reviews. I'm telling you that much because if you go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast on the $5 tier, that's the highest tier, by the way. It's the highest. It's amazing, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's amazing that something can be that cheap. It really is. And here's what you're going to get for $5. You're going to get every single pay-per-view review that we do. They come out monthly. We started with WrestleMania, the first one. We've even thrown in the big event and WrestleFest 88. Every single one, they're two and a half, three, four hours. Wow. Some of these reviews. This is some of the longest anything we've ever done. Yep. And you can plug the RSS feed into your favorite and preferred podcatcher app if you want to. Yes. So you can listen to it. Makes you know, it much easier. In the comfort of your own car or whatever. Yeah, the comfort <laughs> of your own app. <laughs> it's, 
so. And uh, WrestleMania 5 just came out, so next month will be the SummerSlam 89. The SummerSlam. Now, also on the $5 tier, you're going to get everything we offer. And what else that is, is on the $3 tier, we do bi-weekly video and audio. We release some 1983 WWF Championship Wrestling reviews. Always a fun time Always to see what's time. going on in the world of 83. Yep, lots of Don Morocco. Yeah. Iron Mike Sharp has just come in. Very iron, very <laughs> mediocre, actually. <laughs> very <laughs> Sergeant Slobber, I think. Yeah. Right? He's good. Big John Stern. Yeah. All those guys. Love them. Lots of stuff. And that's only $3 a month. And you can downscale if you wanted to to $2, where you're going to get the raw video each and every week we make this Monday show. You get to see us doing it. You get to see before the show, in the breaks, after the show. You get to see the show not recording. Yeah. <laughs> I hit, it's true. hit record. And you also unlock a back archive of our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras and our OVP commentaries, which is Quinn and I doing commentary on a specific match from the WWE Network. Yeah, that's over like 40-something pieces of content alone. Yep. Just You get it for free with the $2. That's it. So, again, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. If you want to donate, we appreciate that. If not, listen, we understand. We're just thankful that you're listening to us here. And speaking of listening to us here, Quinn. Yes. This season, uh huh, we have been doing the Royal Rankings and the Royal Flush of Managers in Wrestling. Now, sure been interesting, huh? It, ha- it actually has. Uh, last week was a toughie because we were talking about Cornette and we had to kind of work him into the list with, you know, Sherry Martell and Jimmy Hart. I don't like working him into anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> but He doesn't like working out. <laughs> but what the Royal Rankings of Royal Flush is, folks, is before the season starts, we get votes from you, the fans, of your top 10 and your bottom 10 of something. And for this season, it was Managers. And our good friend Joe Merkel took all your votes, compiled them up, and put them into two separate tanks, the best and the worst, the rankings and the flush. He was really using his abacus for this one. <laughs> yes, he needed it. <laughs> so what we do is each week we pull out two names, we rank them, and by the end of the season, you will have the official, certified, scientifically proven, non-GMO, organic, USDA, USDA organic. Or, excuse me, yes, USDA organic. Don't forget. Sorry. And healthy. Yes. Best and worst managers of all time. This week is the worst. The Royal Flush. Let me run down the current list for you. There's four names on that list. At number one, the worst manager of all time right now, John. Jose John. Lothario. John. <laughs> number two, your favorite, Quinn, Paul Ellering. Oh boy. And I got to deal with him later, don't I, too? <laughs> yes. Number three, Coach John Tolos, that is. Yeah, him. Not, not Jonathan Coachman. I don't understand why people hate him so much. He's there for like five minutes. Like <laughs> I know. And number four, sitting in a chair somewhere with Andre the Giant is Arnold Skolan. Doing nothing at the bottom over there as usual. <laughs> as usual. So those are the four that are on the board. Now we're going to pull out two more, see where they rank. Without any further ado, let's go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Flush. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the I promise you one thing. The razor's edge will have no effect on Adam Bomb. And I am the procurator of destruction. Give me one minute alone with that genius. I'm going to thrash him. John. Bonnie, we'll scrub a night, Grandma. Catch, kiss, 
It's the Royal Flush. The Cascasset gets Cascasse. me every time. The worst managers of all time. Ah, excuse me. And that gets me every time, too. The worst managers ah, of all time. Hey. Calm down over there. Every, the worst managers. Right. Every time know. we do this. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, Quinn, we have run down the four names that are on. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> we have run down the four names that are on there. We are going to be adding two more. The worst managers, Quinn, uh, you know, we've developed a criteria of uselessness is a big one, Quinn. Oh, yeah, it definitely matters. I mean, just look at Arnold School. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or coach. Yeah. Uh, being annoying and not actually getting your wrestler over, but just being, like, terrible and Jose. Yeah, like John. Jose. John. All that stuff. Uh, Paul Ellering, very yeah. annoying. Very, why is he just not in office right. somewhere? <laughs> it's a stark contrast to the good managers, you know, the ones that get physically involved, the ones that help the wrestlers get over in real life, the one, you know, all these things. So I'm excited to find out who drew number five. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, folks. Let's all find out who drew number five. Say it like this. We do the joy and laughter. I'm here to do a round with my man, Bill Laughter. I'll tell you what, Quinn. My hands are in the air. And I don't care. I, I just don't care. <laughs> it's Oscar, folks. Oscar the Grouch. Oh, God. Yeah. Oscar from Men Wait, on a Mission. What did he even say about Oscar? Well. Like, he, he rapped that time, <laughs> like, for a couple months. Okay. He, real Stephanie Wyand era yeah. kind of guy. All right. So, Men on a Mission, taking nothing away from them. I mean, they were a team before the WWF. That'd be Moe and Mabel, obviously. They were the Harlem Knights before that. Really? I yes, didn't they even were. know anything about that. Was that USWA or something? I think Memphis. I can't remember offhand, but they were heels. The first thing I want to say is I'm tired of seeing head buttons, booty shakes, black wrestlers coming out here disgracing our race. I mean, Mabel, obviously, you know, Nelson Frazier, Big Daddy Five. Big Daddy Viscera. Uh, <laughs> yes, Big Daddy Viscera. He was a big, imposing big... And he was actually pretty good for his size. So, here's the thing with him, is that... His partner was a lug. I think, <laughs> on do? paper, with Mabel, is he's a star, right? You look at him, and you're he like... He is. How the hell does anybody get past this guy? He's, like, enormous, right? Tall and fat. Tall and fat, right? Really, though? It's like... We got fucking it's, it's really, Calhoun. Yeah, it's really unbelievable. The problem with him always was that he would hurt people, and that's basically how he got kind of, like, ejected from the main events. People were like, nope, we're not working with this guy. He hurt Undertaker. Diesel. He hurt Diesel. He hurt one of the... Probably Fatu, I think. I mean, yeah. you don't... that You can't be hurting people. He got a record of doing that. Yeah. But before that, he was in M.O.M. Yeah, he was in M.O.M. Mom. Uh, and Mo was just like one of the uh, look. All due respect, but uh, I can't I wrestle. Mo, I can't wrestle. I'm yeah. not going to pretend I can. But as a fan, what is there to really get into about Mo? The thing about Mo, <laughs> I'll say this is that he is such a great wingman for Mabel. Yeah, that's like all especially he is. when he becomes the king, Sir Mo. He's like really kind of hilarious. Like, uh, Sir Mo, he's funny. Yeah, he's re- he actually does such a good job in that role, and it's really funny. He plays it straight, and it's upsetting that they never had him just like manage someone else after like all that went down. Because right. he 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 has that good like whoa, yeah. like like when he's like getting beat up <laughs> right. or whatever. Like he just he has that look about him. But that's an M and an M. There's an O in between those two right. ends, Quinn, and that would be Oscar, the manager of Men on a Mission. Not now. the Grouch. Not the Grouch. Gorilla, who's the guy in the white suit? Guy in the white suit. That'd be Oscar. That's Oscar, the manager of Men on a Mission, huh? Oh, I thought maybe he was the guy coming to take him to the hospital. Now, uh, look, I'm not an expert on rap or hip-hop mm-hmm. or anything like that. Well, there's a fucking surprise. But I know this guy sucks at it, and I don't understand how they could, with a straight face, act like he's good. 
So the thing about him is you have to remember the rap that they're talking about is like that late 80s kind of rap, which, of course, it's 1994. It's like the gangster <laughs> era. So he's still doing the like MC kind of thing. Right. Yeah, That's like what Oscar worse. is. Like it's it's like doing like old school. Hip-hop. He's like, he's like, hey, hey, WF, like <laughs> you throw your hands in the air. Like it's good. Like here they come men on a minute. Like he would say that and then yes. he would like start rapping or whatever. So it's kind of like this MC style. I don't understand how he's their manager when he's also their MC. Like, well, is he is he counting the the cash? Is yes. he is he booking the matches? Yes. Is signing the contracts? Doing travel, all that stuff. Do, he's do handling you think he, it all like, for him. Raps while he signs it. It's like you're going down in the ground, and like yes. he, you know, like as he's like talking to well, like Jim Cornette or something. Like, he's <laughs> calling Delta Airlines. He's like, "Yo, I need a ticket, and I'm gonna have to pick it and yeah. shit like that." But look, <laughs> here's the thing. Men on a mission, when they came in, they were faces, obviously. They were on a mission to, I guess, uh, make the world a better place. I really don't know what their mission <laughs> yeah, was. Was, it, was, there, was, it, was their mission a mission of, like, positivity? Like, yeah, it was. It really was. No, it really was. Yeah. But they had Oscar with them, and I guess that was, like, this big gimmick that they hyped. You know, look, they have rap. Yeah. Look, we have rap now. Well, to be fair. In 1994, rap was like on top of the world, right? It's like Tupac and Biggie yeah, and they all were this. Both still so alive. They really probably like WF was like, man, we're really striking. While we waited long enough, right? <laughs> like because like now it's like at first we thought maybe it's just a fad. We had run DMC at WrestleMania once, yeah, whatever. Right, right. But now it's 1994. Now this is like it's been like 10, 15 years of this shit. Uh-huh. Like and now it's bigger than ever, right? So now we really got to have like a rap group right yeah and oscar would be good if every word that he said didn't sound like a cat typing on a keyboard like <laughs> it's nothing what is he saying it's terrible it is absolutely horrible rap and i'm not do you uh, think that website that uh, do you think that website that has the john cena raps also has oscars raps if on you it? can look one up if yeah. you want to right now for oscar men on a mission raps here's what i'm going to say men on a mission good wrestlers for what they were i don't know that oscar was bad in the set like he did he did add to the team though yeah well i mean you know what i mean he did add to their whole ambiance and everything yeah it wouldn't have been the same without oscar if they're coming in his faces and he did it was unique at the time it wasn't good oh no it was not it was not good at all (laughs) but it was unique to have this guy rapping with them but he was terrible at it He's yeah. a very poor rapper. And I'm looking up the lyrics right now to this Oscar Men on a Mission shit, and it is long. I think like, we need to hear some of it, Quinn. Okay. We're a man on a mission. No, I'm sorry. I didn't even read that right, because I forgot. It's Oscar, so it's right. like all over the place. It's like, we're men. Man on a mission. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Like a million wise. We're men. Man on a mission. Here we go in the house. Men, 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 men are on a mission. Pam, bang, boom, here we go. Do you like it? You got it to all know, Oscar, Mabel, Mo. Yo, we're in the house. We're ready, so. Like, this isn't even anything. Like, I, it's just sentences, I swear. Man on a mission over here. Treating all like this opposition. You better have fear. Do it like this. You gotta have your ignition. Who's in the house? Man on a mission. Like, there's more, but it's like... Joe, it is like endless. Okay. Like there is so much. It's just rambling. We'll have That's to sp- not even a rap. <laughs> That's the problem. That's the way my two-year-old talks. Like you could have your two-year-old read this and yeah. be like how he usually is. I know. Yeah. That's it. Look, folks, I have nothing against men on a mission as a team. I really don't. I don't think they're that bad of a team. Again, I think Mabel was really good and probably overlooked. 
Yeah, seriously, he well, was a good worker. He really, overall. like I said, it's. I think he would have had a career had he not fucked up Diesel like that. Right, that was like the death now. I mean, right? they kept bringing him back and giving giving him chances, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, they kept bringing him back into like the 2000s. Damn, like 08, he was still there, wasn't he? I'm not but, even kidding. Like 2010, I, I always get a big kick out of the Big Daddy V character because of just like the, the boobs, ev- just the evolution <laughs> of like it went from like Mabel to Viscera to like the sexy viscera yeah the then, pajamas then to big daddy v yeah with the like, boobs yeah and, and it straps. was just very weird but it's funny that you, this is really all you can say about oscar is just talk about mabel he didn't cut a good promo it was like okay yeah uh, he and it wasn't often he couldn't really rap we've heard mabel rap remember like occasionally right. he would do and he's a better yeah and actually <laughs> the, real. the weird thing about Oscar in general, I have to say this, is Mo the manager or is Oscar the manager? Because it's so confusing. Mo's the manager of Mabel when Oscar's gone. Right. Like, once Oscar disappears, like, Mo just does the same thing. Becomes Mabel's manager. Right, He doesn't rap, though. This is very confusing. Well, there's really not much else to say. I think that he's a horrid rapper. I think PN News is, like, almost as good as him, if not better. This wasn't even a rap. I just I know, that's read, what I mean. That's like just listen, Joe. That's just like the first couple verses. There's like it's like one of the longest lyrical things I've seen on when I'm reading. Uh, yeah. like, it, it is bad, and the guy has no real flow. Honestly, yeah. he just that's all it is. It's just like barking lyrics. If you want to know the website where you can find these lyrics, it's metrolyrics.com slash men on a mission lyrics wrestling dot html <laughs> what a, what an address well there you go yeah i don't think he's very good though i don't but but i really do think he was important to the initial men on a mission package to the package yes i really do to like the like after that no yeah like, he didn't need to, especially when they were like heels well like, then they was, squashed him remember and they yeah, got rid of him because he was useless like why do you need a hype man when you're supposed to everyone's supposed to boo you when yeah, you come out which made sense right and they just got rid of him in in march 95 i think it was right yeah. before wrestlemania 11 he was gone oh wait a minute don't do this so he had like a year and a half career there what a career. What a career. Uh, we'll have I, to I don't see. know, worthy of like the worst thing ever. No, I don't think so. We'll have to see where he ranks, but that's really all there is on him, folks. I'm not trying to shortchange him or anything, but that's there's not much else to say. He yeah. was there for a year and a half. He, he existed. He sucked at rapping. Uh, he, he never said, wrestled or anything. He right? never, never wrestled. No, and it, he again, he was he was just kind of there. But Very like Todd Pettengale. Like, these are the things I think of yes, like, when I think of WBF Oscar. Like, Mania. The, the gold logo on the bottom left. Right. Like, you know, well that. done is in the ring somewhere. There's <laughs> yeah. smoky pyro in the VFW that they're in. You know, WrestleMania 10. Wood paneling yeah. on the wall. That kind of thing. So that's Oscar. Let's, uh, let's move on now and I'll find out who drew number six. Undertaker, you know we've got you in a coffin match at the Survivor Series. Hey, I like Harvey Whippleman. Yeah. Why did he make the worst? I mean, I don't love him. I don't love him, but I think he's okay. Mm. No, he's not. (laughs) I mean, overall, like, his stable of people, it's basically like Slick 2.0. And when when your role is to inherit the Slick role, because Slick's already like the lowest tier manager. Yeah. He really he, is. Well, Fuji and Slick, right? They kind of traded that off. Fuji and Slick are kind of the bottom layer. Yeah, of like they get all the they like they get winners sometimes, but it's never like 
it's never like somebody that's challenging Hogan consistently, like Bobby True. the Brain or something. Okay, so let's talk about Harvey Wolfman. Obviously, this is downtown Bruno in Memphis. That's where he got to start in the Very 80s. downtown. Now, was downtown Bruno good, or is it just sound like he was good? I think the name sounds good, because everything we've seen, he just exists. He's just Harvey Whippleman with a better name and right. a leather jacket. It's really boring to me to sit and listen to Jeff Jarrett and some non-existent partner sitting out here Same talking about thing. coming against Same the greatest thing. tag team in professional wrestling. He, it's actually like he's not fully formed or something because I think he really comes into his element as Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, I mean, what's good about Whippleman? I'll give him this: like he looks like an idiot in a good way. Like he just <laughs> oh, looks yeah. like a little weasel, right? Now is Harvey? He always came off to me as a guy that worked in the backstage a lot, and like yep. that they you're absolutely right. They, they basically he he just had a mind for it and they yep. said why don't you be a manager and let's see how this goes and kind he of kind of did it for a couple of years and then he was like well i'll just go back to being in the backstage kind yeah. of like that i mean he got into the business by you know kind of the old school way where you'd hang around the arena offer to do things for free kind of get yeah. your foot in the door that way you know exactly. how you used to be able to do that in the kind local like promotions did. kind yeah, of and cornet. pictures yeah and cornette yeah, also was like a that. photographer uh and then he was friends with sid mm-hmm. So when he was in Memphis, Sid kind of got him some some work. Well, that explains the connection later on. Exactly. Um, and then he actually was a pretty upper-tier heel manager, but in Memphis. Right. No offense to Memphis. The wrestling can be good. It's fun, but it's Memphis. It's not a big money territory, I mean, right? They, they do their wrestling in a kid's rec room. <laughs> I mean, no offense. Yeah. I, we, we've seen that television show. It is fun, though. And obviously, like has become a common thread with a lot of these people that broke in down there, Jerry Lawler helped him out a real lot. Of course. Because and that's the connection. And Jerry Lawler, I mean, in the mid-90s when, you know, Mr. Downtown Bruno here made his appearance as Harvey Whippleman, Lawler was just feeding people in left and right. Oh, like, yeah, it was right. becoming like mini Memphis up there. Yeah, and that was part of the working agreement that he had with Vince. Uh, so, yeah, obviously Sid was uh, very helpful. Jerry Lawler was very helpful to him. And he was down there in uh, in Memphis for a while and then got into the WWF in 1991. Guess who helped him get in? Sid, yep, because Sid had come in in the summer of '91, yes. and Whippleman appeared, uh, I think, in the late summer, early fall, something like that. And I believe the first guy he managed was none other than Big Bully Busick. What a <laughs> what an acquisition! Right? What was that? By what the even way? was what? Big Bully Busick? Let let a, a, like, a bully. Well, we've talked about this. How it's like? Is he from like the '20s yes. or something? Like prohibition era, right? Yeah, it's like it, that the the hat and the sweater <laughs> and like, the mustache. Yeah. I, it's I don't he's like a boxer looking like one of those old Irish like boxers. a fisticuff guy yeah, right yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Like the, the, fighting, like the fighting Irish the guy. fighting Irish guy exactly yeah. and obviously Busick was there what a cup of coffee and a, maybe a donut on the side and that was yeah, it he was weird barely too, there Busick's always a weird thing because it was kind of like they seemed like they were hyping him for something. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the, were they? Yeah, because in the house shows he's on, he's always in this prelim matches where he absolutely dominates. And you're just like, is, is something brewing here? Is what I always, that's the impression I always got from the big bully music era. Well, he had a feud with Brooklyn Brawler, if that means anything like, to I you. Like, I feel like they were setting him up to, like, fight the Intercontinental Champion at some point. Brett. Brett Hart, we'll meet you right here next week for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. And, bully, I don't just want you to beat him. I want you to hurt him. You know, I didn't think much of Nick Busick. It was a nice guy, but I didn't think he was that great of a wrestler, you know? Exactly. Um, But uh, Whippleman then, you know, Slick gets written off as the classic Slick character in November, I think, 91. the Reverend. Becomes the Reverend. I think Bulldog, like, power slam, something like that. So who takes over 
for Slick's one last protege that he has, the Warlord, Harvey Whippleman now becomes the Warlord's what manager. A, what an acquisition. <laughs> Mr. Domino's Pizza is, is his big his big get right this is the w wand era of yeah, course for horrible the absolutely atrocious like, that one match at fucking wrestlemania 7 or yeah. whatever and he's still feuding with davy when whippleman yeah, takes that, over that feud lasts forever it's all of 91 <sighs> pretty much and then though here we have a coup because sid destroys the barbershop good turns on hogan all Gets that stuff stuff on his face or whatever yeah the powder and then Harvey Whippleman suddenly becomes his manager. And oh, they like, are friends. Yeah. yeah. So this is a huge, huge acquisition for right. Mr. Harvey over here, right? So he actually gets to main event. You know, he manages his man to the main event Double to main challenge event. hold. I know, but the second half of it. Yeah. At WrestleMania 8, rather memorably introduces Sid, right? Yeah. You know, ah, that and, whole and thing. He takes the mic from Fink. And Do- doesn't like Finkel. We, we forgot to mention this feud. Yeah, it starts going, in 92. Yeah, the, this, this like Harvey... Whippleman, like Fink hates him <laughs> yeah. to the point where, like, don't they like fight or something at some point? Like ninety five, yeah, like much later. But it, <laughs> the tuxedo ha- match, it's, but it's amazing because it built from like years and years yeah. and years and years. Like it, it's one of the big, it's one of the long cons of WF. Right? It is. It's like it just keeps going and going till finally yeah, they, they blow it off. They have an actual match. I think it's in January ninety five. But anyway, so he does that. But Sid, of course. Has to leave in April of 92 because he's just got things. He's got softball to do. Softball, steroids, whatever it is, one or the other or both. Mm-hmm. So why not bring back Kamala? And why what not a, have. What a great I- Kamala, who's always sucked. The what? Like, <laughs> he does. People he's like. So- no, but in WF, like him. in WF, he's horrible. Well, like, in 92 especially. I didn't even think he was good when he was like in 87 or whatever. Like, yeah. Why was he even there? In eight? Like, Just Hogan's like at the height is. of his like Andre the Giant stuff. <laughs> it's like fucking Kamala comes in to fight him. It's like, what? Well, Kamala drew money where, in a lot of places, but I agree with you 100%. His WWF stuff is on, un- especially 92. It just feels it's like crap. It feels like he's making the generic the the vanilla appearance for like the mass market like that's what it feels like yeah. it's like well this is kamala like this is what he is and, yeah. then, and, then, and they don't there's no personality to him nothing it's right. just that's what i always feel about kamala and wf like he just comes in and the only time they give him personality is like way after his career is over with the bowling and everything yeah. and, <laughs> like i'm serious i know you're right so he's Kamala's manager, and then they do the whole feud with The Undertaker, and he and Kim Chi turn on Kamala at the end of 92. Right. Kamala turns face, blah, blah, blah. Now, and, he's a doctor at this point, though. Because yes. remember, like, he... So the, the impression yes, they always Dr. gave Harvey me... Like, I, I need, we need to talk about this real briefly, is that, like, they just kind of, like, retconned Kamala's past during this period of time, oh, I yeah. felt, right? No, like, they did. They didn't even talk about, like, that he was already there. Yes. They acted like, literally, like, Dr. Harvey contacted this like safari man kimchi <laughs> and they found kamala yeah like and like you know like harvey's like an old school like when doctors weren't just medical doctors but they were like smart and everything kind of thing like from like the 1800s i'm not kidding okay yeah i think you're right yeah and they like found kamala and he never was ever in WF. This and, is like completely different and, and he's gonna fight the undertaker and the whole game plan yes yeah, take out the undertaker that doesn't work so harvey Wolfman. F- Loses his uh, medical license, apparently. 
and brings in the giant Gonzalez. What, what a, a charge. A, what a great idea. <laughs> um, this He really got the Undertaker this time yeah. with that chloroform. Oh, God. So that feud drags on throughout 93. What is Harvey's problem with the Undertaker, by the way? I don't like, know. This like, goes on for like a year Remember, and a half. No one leaves the Undertaker alone Like from 1993 until 1996. He literally <laughs> keeps getting like cut off trying to right. regain the WF title. That's like All these dorks come in. They're like, well, we're going to beat him. And they, and they go, they go down like, immediately yeah. every time. Like Undertaker's just like no, and he just like be like, like every time, Die. and it's just like it's more of like the heels are like, well, we can keep him at bay by like backlogging him with right. like shitty feuds, right? Like, like Whippleman brings in uh, Mr. Hughes briefly, exactly, nothing, yeah, then. For whatever reason, Johnny Polo unloads Adam Bomb onto Harvey Whippleman. So now he manages Adam Bomb. Uh huh. He does nothing as a heel. He's like absolutely useless yeah. as a heel, Adam Bomb. Then he turns on Whippleman, right? So then, Quang! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Quang! Mr. Karate over here. He's horrible. Savio Vega yeah, is Savio much better Vega than... Savio Vega with a mask. Yeah, he's much better when he's, he's just Savio Vega. He's also in, like, Rage in the Cage or some game. Like, remember, like, <laughs> the one game that, like, Quang is in? The Raw for 32X, specifically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like an addition of one of the games. It's yeah. not even, like... Only the 32X version. The no, no, only 32X. So then we have the whole Quang thing, right? And then he also brings in... Well done. <laughs> Wait, he, oh yeah, he was connected yes! to that. Oh god. So he's got all that going on, and finally, I think his last. Is actual- everyone Harvey has just shit? Like, yeah. Other than Sid, the best person he had, I think, was Bertha Faye. Right. So this was this was cute. This okay. This is like to me the magnum opus of Harvey Whippleman. It's good. So he. Gets involved with Bertha Faye after she, like, I don't know, remember she's, like, a biker chick or something? That's her at old Re- gimmick, Like, yeah. at WrestleMania. Well, the day after, let me, like yeah, The day after, right? Let's explain it. So, Alundra Blaze, in the women's division, quote-unquote, which really consists of her and Bull Nakano. Right. That's, like, it, right? That's she, in the women's division <laughs> throughout is, the 90s. Yeah. It is. She regains the title from Bull uh, the day after WrestleMania 11. And right after she wins, this big lady... In all black. Like biker gear, though. Yeah, and her old Monster Ripper character. That's right. who she was, like, prior to being Bertha Faye. She attacks Alondra Blaze, beats the shit out of her. Right. And they write her off TV for a while so she can, in real life, get, like, a nose job and a boob job, I but think. They, so that kind of all plays into it, right? So what happens is, it's like, it's revealed that, like, Harvey saw her and it was, like, love at first sight, right? right? right. Like, he, like, sought her out. And then, like, because now that she's... <laughs> because now that she's in love, she decides I'm going to be more girly now, right? Yep. So there's this whole like, and they live in a trailer. They live in a trailer together. They're dating. It's actually sweet. And, and like, <laughs> she, she, they, they, like Harvey writes like a song for her. Yes, and, like, like, he I si- love you, he sings it to her on pay per view at like in your house. It's good. He like hires like backup singers and all this stuff, and like Bertha's just like melting. Like it's like um, it's, it's so actually happy. like really like, nice. Like Vince is, like, they're trying to make fun of them. Yeah, because and you know what I hate about it is like they're making fun of them because she's fat and he's ugly and then like, he's that, small that's and like, twerpy right yeah like and they but, live in a trailer god but, forbid yeah like to vince it's like all oh, these are <laughs> it's like look at these look at these idiots right. or whatever like my honey honey my sweet potato my gorgeous bertha faye for something we watched like in the not too far past yeah. We, that was covered. The whole video. It was video. one of those things where you watch it now and you're like, this is actually like really sweet. <laughs> he like, loves he, her. He loves her. She loves him. Yeah. And, and it's all nice. <laughs> and it's like, fuck you, Vince McMahon. <laughs> it's like, just because 
you know, they're they're not pretty people. You right. like hate them. Like right. that's literally his reason. Like I'm not kidding. It's so fucked up. I don't like it. I agree with you. And that's really the end of his managerial career. He then becomes a ref in this little angle where, remember, he was, yeah. like, auditing the refs in 96. Uh, yeah. And Gorilla's like, oh, we'll just make him a referee. And yeah. then he's just, like, a straight-up ref for a while. That was weird. And then he's just a backstage guy. Uh, he was also, quick side note here, because not a lot of people talk about this. When Joey Morella on July 4th, 94, was killed... Mm. Harvey Whippleman almost died as well. He was right. in the car with him. He was him. in the car. He just like barely escaped he, with his life. He was basically. hospitalized for a while. Yeah. And uh, overall, I like Harvey Whippleman. When we get to ranking, I'll, we'll probably get into it a little bit more. But that's his managerial career. It was, he was, like you said, yeah, he kind of was just their lower tier manager. He replaced Slick. Yeah. That's all it was. I mean, you needed Unfortunately, someone. I don't think he's that bad, but I don't think he's that good. He's just kind of like, whatever. Yeah. He is likable in a way there's there, something there's about some, him i like there is something about i think it's just he's dweeby he's like yeah. sort of like jameson but like with a purpose and not an idiot heel like, jameson yeah he's like heel jameson or something <laughs> so um let's uh is it ranking time yeah sure all right so let's run him down again number one jose lothario number two paul ellering three is the coach and four is arnold scoland as far as oscar is concerned oh boy i mean let's be honest here he didn't do much. He didn't do much, and he's aggravating. Right. Now, Arnold Scullin's not annoying. But Arnold Scullin doesn't do anything either. But he at least had some class and dignity, right. and it seemed like there was something to him. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot more, I don't know, there's Chutzpah. a lot more like character yeah. to, to Arnold Scullin than there was Oscar. But to be fair to Oscar, there wasn't much room There wasn't to much grow. to work with. Like, he literally was just like, can you be the MC? Yeah. Like, you know what? Like, I, they keep saying manager, but he's essentially their MC. Like, he doesn't do the typical manager stuff like I don't know like trip somebody's legs up or something yeah that's the other thing we always tell you know as a face manager though Arnold Skoland is a better representative of his people that look Oscar people you mean the two of them or whatever Bruno and Backlund Oscar sucks yeah let's just call it what it like he isn't good lead them to the tag belts they had that shot or whatever at Wrestlemania couldn't beat the Quebecers there Uh, I think Arnold Skoland stays at the bottom of the list. Is that okay with yes, you? Yes, that's fair enough. Now, Coach, though, Coach is an annoying man, right. and Oscar is an annoying man. Coach and Oscar are very on the same level, very, like, short-lived. Nothing, short-lived. Um, I do mean, you think Oscar elevates above Coach because he was longer and, and worser? And like, worser. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how else to say it. But I was going to say, like, at least Coach managed the IC champion, but we can't credit him with that. He didn't earn that. He, inherited he just that. inherited it. Yeah. Bobby did all that shit. Right. Uh, a coach was so brief that, like, I really don't feel like he belongs too high up. No, he doesn't. was so brief. Yes. I mean, I agree. He uh, stinks. I 100% agree. So I think Oscar above coach. Okay. Now. In the bad, I mean. Paulus Ellering. Yes. Versus Oscar. Now, Paul Ellering has a career of um, excellence and shittiness. Being like, an absolute shitbag. Yeah, just, just being a win- useless. Just grunting, yelling, verbose. This week piece. only confirmed his uselessness to me when we get to the review. Exactly. That said, he had success, whereas Oscar did not. Yeah. We have to be fair here. Fair enough. Oscar but that, Are you saying that blows. Oscar is worse than he Paul blows. Ellering? Yes. Oh, man. Look, Paul Ellering is annoying. Yeah, Oscar's annoying. And Oscar is annoying. Yeah. Oscar didn't do shit. He, <laughs> he really did. I don't like Ellering. Look, this is the worst list. They're all bad. <laughs> okay, I'm willing to give you Oscar over Paul 
We have but there's to. no fucking way that he could be Jose Lothario. I like, think, it's, it's impossible. I think Jose is probably still the worst, so yeah. let's compare him head to yeah. head now. One raps, one goes... Yeah. <laughs> that's a Literally, the, the, you're, that, you described everything about both of them in one that, second. That's it. One raps and one goes... That's, that's it. it. So which is worse? Well, Oscar managed a tag team that he fit into. Right. Jose Lothario was... It does a, not make any sense at all with Sean 91 year old bald man yeah. with a 30-year-old heartbreak kid. They're quote, partying unquote. at the bars together, right? right? <laughs> Could you imagine? Jose, me, like... Can I have Jose, a line of coke? Jose, like, falling asleep, like, John, in the corner. John, give me some of your somas. You and, know and, what like, I mean? Everyone's like, oh, is that your grandpa? <laughs> like, you know, like... Yeah, no, it's my manager. Yeah. You want to fuck? <laughs> Gets punched in the face. Anyway. Like the girl from, like, WrestleMania 11. Or, you know that... Or what is she at? That blonde chick that they keep closing up on. I know like, what you mean. I can't remember. Something that Sean's at. Maybe it's the San Antonio. I forget what it is. It Rumble. might be the July 95 in your house. Yeah. I cannot remember. But, uh, yeah, look, at least Oscar fit into the team very well that right. he was doing. Yeah. He made, we said that earlier, he made sense. Oh, yeah. No, he was, like, totally within theme. His lyrics the, are the, unintelligible. They're horrible. Yeah. <laughs> they're absolutely bad. Do not, look, I closed the tab already. I don't even want to look at it anymore. <laughs> But at least, like you said, yeah, he's in the theme of men. You know, he is the the on part of the men on a mission. He's in the name of the team. He's in the name of the team. You can't have mom without Oscar. That's right. Uh, whereas Jose Lothario, I think people were also saying on the group, too, which we said, you know, two weeks ago, it made sense only at WrestleMania 12. Well, he had to be Stu Jr. or yeah, whatever. Stu Maybe Stu Sr. <laughs> I don't know. He's really old. Uh, that's the only time it made sense. But they kept him with him throughout the rest of 1996. And it, it was awful yeah where at least like oscar his welcome was worn out from the beginning because he sucked at rapping right but at least he did he didn't hold them back or like you why know didn't he just hire pn news at least he can no. rap better <laughs> like you know i'm just saying like just replace oscar just name pn news oscar <laughs> and just th- so they could still have the man on a mission yeah. part but just have pn news doing the rapping instead it might have been better honestly it, it might have been i'm not even kidding when you can say PN News is a better rapper than Oscar. There's problems. <laughs> You're in sorry shape. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think we can agree that we leave Oscar at number two. Okay, fair enough. Because it's not like Jose Lothario, like, look, I know he managed the world champion, but he really didn't. Okay. the honor for Oscar to be at number two of the worst of all time. Well, can you think of any reason why he's worse than Jose? He isn't. Right? He isn't worse than Jose. Jose is the drizzling shit. Jose. Like, he's bad. Jose is a Metamucil shit. Yeah. He should not have been with Shawn Michaels, is our point. Like, yeah. yes, Shawn was the Oscar world champion. At least is, he, he should have been with yeah, MOM. Right. Like, right. They're, they're called MOM. They have to have the O. He's the O. So we'll leave Oscar at number two. Yep. Okay. Harvey Whippleman, I mean, we'll put him up against Arnie. Arnie's probably better but not by is he nah, even better i don't know i i you know i'm sad that harvey made the list i think harvey might be better than arnie because arnie i just can't stand him i like know a, but just such a fucking homer and front runner and arnie like, had two world champions he was dominant right but manager you, you, okay you say that i do but they didn't even need him they didn't I mean, you're right. Gener- generally, especially with Backlund, as we've seen, is Arnold never shows up unless it's the actual match. Yeah, Backlund cut his own promos. Yeah, Bruno cut Ar- his own promos. Arnold exemplifies doing nothing. Like well, he he does absolutely nothing. He just sits there when the match happens because I think he like sometimes. I think he goes to every MSG show. This is my it, this is my theory. Yeah. No, but my theory is that like he doesn't show up for TV anymore. I, I didn't see that him point. really much. No, he doesn't do anything he's, he's very all, rare. basically it's like 
I get this impression that he's like partying with like Andre or something at the MSG and they're just like, oh, just go out there Doesn't or whatever. They have to watch Andre. Like, wasn't that his job or something? Was that to was, keep an that eye was on literally Andre? his job. Seriously. To yeah. make sure that like Andre didn't kill people or something, get whatever, too mad or whatever, whatever they it was. Cast him with. And then Timmy White did it also later. Timmy White inherited it. I'll do it. I don't care. And they became like friends or whatever. Yeah, everyone was big friends and they're just playing the cribbage, right? Yeah, or hearts or whatever. Life. Yeah. Uh, Could you imagine getting paid like tremendous amount of money to play hearts with Andre the Giant on a weekly basis? Like just so that he didn't like, I don't know, like eat them broke or whatever he (laughs) does. Like whatever they had to do to like make him behave. Like, like he had a bad reputation for like causing problems. I know. (laughs) A lot of people have like, they say that Andre like the, like, that he was a good man, but right. that he also had a really mean streak. Right, he had it, a bad temper. That's all, right. yeah. Like, he was a good he drank person. a lot. He drank so a you lot. Literally, like, I think the drinking is why they had a handler. That's like, why. Uh, in this all seriousness, More because if he, didn't, if he didn't keep an eye on him, like, he might just, like, oh, I don't know why, or like, <laughs> he would just keep going. Like, it, you know. I don't like you. And you know, there's, like, a lot of booze and drugs back then, yeah. so... Could you imagine Andre? Do all of them. Imagine if you just let Andre like you, nobody was like telling Andre to like calm down and like and by the time they get to the match he's fucked up and uh, he's like there's like a bunch of cocaine in him and is stuff. This cocaine or borax or baking <laughs> yeah. soda? I don't care, boss. I'll do it yeah. anyway. All right. So you think that uh, that Harvey is actually better than Arnold Skolan? I do. He has some personality to him. There's it. something to him, and the whole Bertha thing was very nice. It was. I think he cuts off here. I think Harvey's better than Coach. Harvey's better than Paul Ellering. Yeah, well, Harvey's better than Oscar. Yeah, he's better than all these people. He's better than Arnold. I think yeah. he's number six. Harvey. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. And here's why: Arnold Skoland is just like face uselessness. You said. Yes. Harvey, not very successful. He's not useless though. He does his, uh, a thing. He does heel manager stuff. He's not even a bad talker. He's got he, that feud with Fink. He's got the feud with Fink that's like three years long. I love, I know the match isn't good, but I love that they at least blew it off. Mm. Like, at the very least, right? Like, that they didn't just let that sit. For, it kept going, yeah. and then they finally blew it off. It actually happened. It's great. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, Harvey Wobbleman's somewhat memorable. It's not that he, look. He Ar- looks really weird. He looks like a doofus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... I, he's I don't fine. have a problem with him. He's not an all-timer. No, no. I I mean, he's very, like, if he had made the best, he would be, like, number 10 without question. Yeah, and, I, and I'd honestly be surprised if he made the best. Like, even like even with your hate of J.J. Dillon, there's no way oh, no, you no, can no. say that he's, but like, even close. He'd be the worst one on the yeah. best list. But I'm actually surprised that he made the worst list. But I get why, because he wasn't really successful. Yeah. But he he wasn't bad at what he did, is what I'm trying to say. He Again, just, he was a backstage guy that got this chance to be, yeah, like, honestly. Cause, he's fine. Because from my understanding, I mean, most of his career is an agent or whatever. Like, he wasn't really a... Yeah, it was just, this is what he did. And, yeah, he did this briefly. and That but, was it. Okay. Yeah. Let's finalize it here for week number three of the Royal Flush. At number one is still Jose Lothario. Number two, Oscar. Number three, Paul Ellering. Four, the coach. Five, Arnold Skoland. And number six, Harvey Whippleman. Folks, that is the updated Royal Flush as of this week. Be sure to let us know your thoughts and your rankings. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, you know what? It is time for some Pro Wrestling USA, whatever the hell that is. I have no idea. Let's find out. That is coming up right after this. As of late, I've been having a problem with a man I know as Whippleman 
But apparently you people here in Memphis know as Downtown Bruno. My goodness, that has to be the stupidest name that I've ever heard. Who could walk around the streets of Memphis and call himself Downtown? Give the man a road map, he wouldn't know Downtown from Uptown. That's how dumb he is. I've had some problems over the past few months with him concerning things that he has put the blame on me for. Don't buy it for a second, folks. I'm the one that's in the right. I've been in the World Wrestling Federation doing ring announcing for a long, long time. And never have I ever faced a more stupider, idiotic excuse for a human being like downtown. Ugh, downtown Bruno, what a name. Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN, hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Mike Crockett, Brian Malonis, and Brian Fury. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast, the wrestling podcast about nothing. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winston. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique. It's quirky. It's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show, the wrestling podcast about nothing, Greetings from Allentown, and Booking the Territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here. It's episode number 166. Quinn. Yes. We're reviewing something. We are. We're, we do that. Crossover show or something. Yes. Pro Wrestling USA. This is our first foray into this short-lived promotion. So I believe it requires a little bit of explanation it for our fans. It definitely does, because what the hell is this? All right, folks. This is Pro Wrestling USA, October the 20th, 1984. You can find it on the YouTube if you want to. Here's the deal with this. You heard of Vince McMahon? Vincent Kennedy McMahon? Yeah, I remember him. The promoter of wrestling? Yeah, he did some wrestling. Um, right. Mildly successful. Mildly successful. promoter guy. Little, tiny little audience there. Yeah. So by the fall of 1984, Vince McMahon had been kind of going a little renegade style in terms of crossing boundaries. He had pulled out of the NWA in 83. He was really trying to take his World Wrestling Federation national, right? We all know yeah, that. World Federation world all Federation. over the world. He had had the Hulk Hogan as champion since January. He had been kind of changing up his TV a bit, making it more exciting, more episodic. Well, it definitely needed that, it as, de- we, <laughs> as we see in 1983. Yep. And he was... Uh, just beginning to really try to get uh, some expansion going, going into other territories, taking, uh, you know, signing wrestlers from there. He got Roddy Piper, people yep. like that. He was bringing people a lot of guys all from ter- all over. The stars from all the other territories. Now it's in this mega star yeah. thing. Uh, including people from the NWA and right. people from the AWA. So in the uh, summer of 1984, the promoters of some other promotions got together and founded a short lived promotion called Pro Wrestling USA. Now, the founders of this promotion, get a load of this list here, oh boy. people working together. From Memphis, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Jerry Stupid Lawler. Okay. Jerry Stupid Lawler. From the AWA, Vern Gagne. Why would you want that old man around? <laughs> From Georgia, Ole Anderson. Oh, Ole. That, that Ole. He's and, oldie. And from, 
and from the Carolinas, Jim Crockett Jr. Right. They all team up. What could go wrong? You know, five wrestling I promoters mean, working all together. All really trustworthy names. <laughs> um, really stand out. Top-notch oh, yeah. guys. Going to get along fine, right? They have right? never um, <laughs> tried to poach town from each other or do any of those things. No. Promoters they're, are very upstanding people. They're, they're just the top guys. Right. Um, paragons of virtue in yes, the business. absolutely. And, uh, it's a shame Vince McMahon put them all out of business. Right. Because, and if only we could have these values. Oh, um, yeah, Quinn. What an industry it would be. Right, exactly. Nothing could go wrong here. Right. right with these guys working together. So, yes, the idea here is that they were going to combine, basically, that's, uh, that's all NWA territories and the awa teaming right. up they're gonna go national against the wwf right that's the idea what an idea what an idea it was and they termed the promotion pro wrestling usa because- well first of all that's a horrible name to start <laughs> like what what is it called pwusa yeah. like what what kind of name is that Pusa. this it's horrible just to begin why not make like at least a fake organization if the nwa and the awa united like give them like a name like a the a, world organization of wrestling how about yeah. that i just thought of that on the, the fly. wow yeah the wow well, why not, though, yeah. right? I mean, seriously, something better. But anyway, basically, they had this alliance. They were going to work together. They're going to have all their talent kind of combined, promote shows, have it on the television, Pro Wrestling USA. This is what's going to defeat Vince McMahon. This is what's going to counteract Vince. What a show. Fuck Hulk Hogan. We don't yeah. need Hulk Hogan. We don't need... We no. got Dory Funk Jr. <laughs> Real legend and also, like, very excited. relevant wrestler. <laughs> get you excited, like, going to see your grandpa yeah. who gives you a Werther's. All right, so... <laughs> yeah, original, really. Yeah, so this promotion actually, uh, no, did not last long. By the end of 1985... Surprise, surprise. Oh, yeah. By the end of 1985, the uh, Crockett's pulled out, and the rest of the NWA kind of pulled out, and Vern kind of just took what was left and just kept running at his AWA shows. Horrible. Yeah. Pretty much horrible. Uh, I believe they were all instrumental in the first Super Clash, and that was it. That was the only one where I think they all worked on it, and that was it. I mean, folks. This, this was the big build up to the big Super Clash shows. Yeah. It was on Pro Wrestling USA. You had to watch this crap. This was <laughs> this was the it. genesis of it. Yeah. But again, it's you know, last week we did a recap show essentially of the WWF. Before that, we were Atlantic Grand Prix. I wanted to just get earthy here. This is earthy, this Quinn. This is gritty. This is gritty. Yeah. It's Pro Wrestling USA, and it is October 20th, 1984. Let's get into it. We're immediately greeted by Jack Reynolds <laughs> in front of a crappy blue curtain that needs to be ironed, and it's got like a <laughs> Pro Wrestling USA decal on it or something. It's terrible. Right off the bat, this looks like shit, and Jack Reynolds looks like a sweaty dork. Yes. He's so sweaty. I And I'm going to be honest here. I didn't recognize him. For like a while, Isn't like till yeah. like halfway through the show, because he was so disgusting. <laughs> I was now, like, "Who is this guy?" A word about Jack Reynolds here, right? Now, this is this aired October twentieth, eighty four. Okay, yep. October twentieth, eighty four. Right. Okay. Do you know when he debuted for the WWF? Pretty soon, right? Eighty uh, five, September. 23rd, 84. Oh, wow. So even sooner. <laughs> so he was in the WWF by the time this aired. That's amazing. Now, when was this taped, you might ask? Oh, God. September 18th, 84. So five days after this was taped, he debuted in the WWF. Well, okay. I have to say this about these kind of like announcer guys That's that Vince. weren't like That's there. Every... Vince. Yeah, but these announcer guys that weren't there day to day, I always felt like they had the most freedom out of anyone to jump all over the place. I guess so. You're going to see Jack Reynolds... If you're not familiar for his horrible WWF work, he is abysmal here. <laughs> and I think the only reason Vince got him is because he was here and Vince is like, ah, fuck it. He's not the worst, but he, he might be. He's he, one of the. You, you have a problem with him. Well, he me. immediately 
fucks up by bringing in the WWF champion, he says, Bob Backlund. With me right now is the WWF heavyweight champ, Bob Backlund. I will say this, I literally rewound the tape to see if he said former, and he didn't. No, he literally says... 100% here's, did. Here's the WWF world champion, here he Bob is, Backlund. The, the WF champion is right here. How does he do that? I don't know. With me right now is the WWF heavyweight champ, Bob Backlund. Here's the thing, is Backlund doesn't even really correct him. He, he like, sort of mentions well, that he's he, not the champion, but he doesn't outright say it. He's diplomatic. Uh, so crew cut Bob comes in, he's like, well, I still feel like the champion. Trying yeah. to save a little face for but Reynolds. He, but he doesn't explain that he's not the WF champion. He just says he still feels yeah. like it. Exactly. <laughs> and he says it's, uh, it's you know, it's been really good here, something about friendship, and, and Backlund says he was told that people weren't behind him, but he didn't care. Bob Backlund had no future, you know, all this stuff. I think there's something big growing and growing and growing. It's gonna be this is really awkward. It's There's a really lot of like awkward. pauses in this. Yeah, well, he's looking off screen the whole time. I swear he's reading lines. I swear he it's is. It's either that or he thought he was like adding intensity to it, but it just seemed weird. Yeah, he just seems nutty, right? Yeah. Like, the way he's pausing the whole time. Uh, he says, though, he got out, he got himself a real job. He's going to provide for his family. And thank God for Pro Wrestling USA because Bob Backlund's back in our living rooms. Yeah, that's yeah, what he, I want. Yeah, again, he seems crazy and yeah. stuff. And Bob Backlund in my living room? I don't know if I want... Imagine watching TGIF with Bob Backlund. Gonna have some fun, show you how it's done, TGIF. You placate your children! He says he's the people's champion before leaving. Uh, Reynolds just is like, there he is, the champion, Bob Backlund. Cut to ringside now where the fabulous ones make their entrance. This arena is disgusting. You know where it way. is? Memphis. It, it is gross. Yeah, that's where we are. We're in Memphis. It's like fucking French fry grease everywhere. It's <laughs> what a, shitty. What a way to start this promotion, by yeah. the way. This first tape. This is the first tape. This taping. is the first one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. And they start it in freaking Memphis of oh, all I places. Oh, I thought we, we were no. jo- joining them in progress. First here. taping. What a piece of shit. Yep. Uh, the Fabulous One's opponents are in the ring. It's the Nightmares, Quinn, your favorite, but yeah. it's the masked version. Not the goo faces or whatever <laughs> with the splotches on their heads. Yeah. <laughs> Did, like, who, which one's which? Which one's Danny know. Davis or I whatever? I don't know. You can't even tell. I have no idea. The ring announcer, by the way, is Lance Russell. Stan and Steve, the fabulous one. Couldn't he be on commentary? That'd be a lot yeah, better yeah, than Jack Reynolds. Been. Maybe they because it's this, like, conglomeration of, like, companies or whatever, yeah. they're like, well... Jack Reynolds has to do it. What company was he? Were they pull him in from doing AM radio in Cleveland or something? I can't tell if you knew that or were just guessing. But yes, that's exactly what Jack Reynolds used to do. Here's a clip. Send it to Country Concert 82, Country 11, Cleveland, 44114. Working for AWA at the time? No. No. I don't know where he was working. Maybe they thought maybe Lance, uh, Lance not Lance, what, what's his name? Jack Reynolds. Jack Reynolds. They thought he would be the neutral party. Yeah, perhaps very new. So see, the fucking Switzerland over yeah. here. Anyway, he is on commentary. Jack Reynolds is with Terry Funk. So that should be a funny team there. Well, hey, if it's a promotion that has no chance of succeeding in the long run, Terry Funk is <laughs> definitely the guy you want to help. Like <laughs> maybe, maybe like help it survive or whatever. <laughs> I'll give it a shot. <laughs> it's just like ECW, like we just talked about. He yeah. did good there. You're right. Uh, so Stan Lane and his beard start with one of the nightmares. Lockup goes nowhere. Irish whip by the nightmare, but Lane struts out of the way of a punch. Now, by the way, the ref looks like the original doctor from the pilot of Star <laughs> Trek, like super fucking old. Yeah, I don't know who that ref yeah, was. Like, he's so old. He's very old. Uh, Jack Reynolds. By the way, his mic gets worse as the match goes on, which what? irritates me. Uh, tag to Nightmare number two here. Takedown by Lane into an armbar. 
Steve Kern now comes in with a fireman's carry and an armbar of his own. Irish whip-off dropped down by number two, but Kern lands a stop. Lock-up and a side headlock and a tag to number one. Dropped down by Kern. Nightmares collide. Stan Lane comes back in and works the arm as well. Irish whip and a backdrop as now Terry Funk is just doing the play-by-play wow. now. Honestly, he's better than Jack Reynolds. Well, Jack Reynolds is, <laughs> he's new or something. I don't know. I like Terry. That was a nice reversal and a leg trip by Stan Lane. He now has an arm bar, straight arm bar. In comes Steve Kern. It's the high-pitched version to, like, the nice one. Hi, like, everyone. The, yeah, it's like, hi, I like wrestling. Or, you know what I mean? Like, he's There's not, a nice arm bar. At no point is he, like, crazy no, or no, anything. No. He's just, like, straight up, like, nice veteran Terry Funk yeah. guy. Well, because this is before the crazy character. Yeah, this is like 84. Exist. No, yeah. this is like former world NWA world champion Terry Stand Funk. Stand up guy. Stand, a real jam up guy. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of arm drags by Lane, elbow drop. N- Nightmare number two is back in now as Reynolds. Look, I understand getting the nightmares confused. Reynolds flat out admits that he doesn't know which fabulous one that is in the ring. baffled me, especially, <laughs> again, in a match where, like, the nightmares are right there. <laughs> right, I don't know who they are. Yeah. But- I, that's impossible. <laughs> they, literally, they look exactly the same. Yeah, and they don't even identify them. Just one of the nightmares. I just said the whole... The way I had to tell in my notes is I just said the nightmares are wrestling. Yeah, you have to. Like, every time. So why is Jack Arnold's employed? I really don't know. But uh, anyway, tagged to Skinner. More arm shit here. Meanwhile, the worst hyping of a wrestler ever because Jack says <laughs> Mr. Say 8 will be here. International star, Mr. Say 8 I told you, he's how, bad. How is that even? Uh, Mr. Say Ato. Say Ato. It's so badly said that I can't even say it wrong. Like S-A-Y, like say yeah. the number eight. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say Ato. Mr. Say Ato. It was amazing. <laughs> Corner whip, monkey flip by Kern, nicely done. Quinn, the nightmares are seriously on like conquistador level right now. Yeah, they look like big jobbers. Yes. Like you're like, who are these people? <laughs> it's amazing that they were like literally like the basis of continental. Yeah, like, like at everything. Yeah, they really are. They seriously are. Uh, lock up by number two now. Whip off Kern with some drop downs, monkey flip, and the hard camera keeps turning magenta. Did yeah, you notice I that? I saw that it was like just red or whatever. Yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, I, you know what? That's always a sign of is that the lighting got in the camera. And what happens is it like blows out the whatever how it works. Like I've seen that on other shows where they it's clear somebody like pointed the camera in the spotlight you think so? by accident and it takes a bit for it to recover. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Uh lock up again in the corner now, whipped by Kern, but he misses a monkey flip charge. Number one comes back in with some stomps, some right hands. And Terry Funk is basically at this point like fuck it, and he's calling all of the moves because <laughs> he realizes that Jack stinks. Well he does. He does. Nightmare number two is back in again with punching and then attacked at number one as the ring announcer butts in on the Kmart <laughs> intercom. He's like <laughs> Uh, ten minutes left. <laughs> no, it was much worse than that. It <laughs> sounded like a ColecoVision sound synthesizer thing. It's like B seventeen, boom! <laughs> like it's amazing. Yeah. How, like you need to put that in and then put that B seventeen. It was just for comparison because I, it might be the same thing. Coming right up. B seventeen bomber. Stanley makes tag, double backdrop by the fabulous ones, and a kick by Lane into a horrible Ahmahi straw for the win. This was uh, a match. <laughs> Felt like a waste of time yeah, for me. It wasn't very good. I love how you always have to mention if it's a La Mahistra with like the was. move that nobody fucking... It was poor. <laughs> Every time you describe him, like, what move? That's what, the cradle. What That's the cradle <laughs> that he did. Why did you just say a fucking cradle? Because I wanted to call it by its name. <laughs> Jack uh, Reynolds now throws us to a musical special 
for the fabulous ones. So under the strains of a ZZ Top sharp dressed man. No, it's not really them ZZ Top, right? That this is no way. It sounded different. I don't know if it was them. I thought it yeah. was. I thought it was just like a cover. No, of I thought it. it was them. Um, but anyway, whoever is playing the song, yeah. What we do get to see is Stan Lane in a like medieval bedroom with an open shirt and no pants on. <laughs> and now we see Steve Kern getting dressed, and I can't even really describe how bad this thing is. It's hideous, and it's like kind of creepy due to the like tape quality yeah. being all shitty. It's like it's like haunting almost. Yeah, it's yeah. very scary, right? Uh, so they disappear out of their house. And they, they like actually teleport. No, they I'm do. not kidding. And they reappear in the front in jeans, but like now they're in front of like a brick building and they don't have shirts on some lady in a car drives by and thinks they stink but now they teleport into a limo in full black tie attire including the hats they look like monopoly men they like, do not, they literally look like uncle Pennybags. they seriously like, are dressed it, like that they, i don't know why that's considered sharp dressed in 1984 like nobody like nobody the last time they dressed like, like that. that it was like at the kennedy inauguration <laughs> like what are you talking like what is this <laughs> Like, it's ridiculous. Uh, back to the shirtless version now as some 80s ladies emerge from a car and ignore them. Again, what's with all the teleporting? Like, they, there's a lot of it. Oh, like, think- it's, it's, like, that's normal, the teleporting. And this is where I started to understand. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Now they're in black ties. So right. now the women like them. Right. Women hate them unless they look like Monopoly. Right, right. That's the lesson. 80s logic. You need to be rich to get girls. Like, <laughs> like if you don't have the tails and the... Fucking top hat. White gloves? Yeah, like what literally. The, literally, like, we're talking, like, 1910s, like, <laughs> fucking... Yeah, yeah, it's, like, insane. <laughs> it's real, though. Yeah. Like, we're talking, like... Before World War One, yeah, people dressed like before there were cars. Yeah, <laughs> sharp dressed man over here. Yeah, really. For whatever reason, Stanley makes out with one of them, but now they're back in jeans, so the ladies leave. Yeah, they are like, oh no, no, like, no, we're can't. Not, not, not in jeans. Oh, how dare you? Yeah. Uh, the fabulous ones get into their limo and pop out of the sunroof with their stupid clothes back on, and the song fades away. That sucked. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, we cut to ringside. Where superstar Billy Graham is under the ring with his manager, Jimmy Hart. Baby, baby, baby. What the hell? Like, why? (laughs) You know, you say Jimmy Hart, I get all excited, and then, but with Super Graham in like this? Like, yeah, this is uh, this is very shortly before Jimmy Hart would also come to the WWF right. six months or so. Very shortly, yep. And Graham was obviously WWF until '83 again, yeah. and then back to the NWA. It's a weird so crossover that, because yep. like Graham had just left WF. Jimmy Hart is just about to go to WF. Yep. But two names that we know. So Graham still got his red karate pants on. He's going to be taking on Craig Carson. It'd be funny if it was Craig Carton. Yeah. How <laughs> you doing there, Erasmo? Oh, he's in prison right now. <laughs> so. uh, Jimmy Hart does not have a megaphone by the way, which is uh, weird for him. So Graham yells at someone in the crowd It looks like Donnie Lalonde or oh, something like that. Don't bring him up again. <laughs> Lock up Graham with an eye gouge. Terry Funk says that Graham practices karate and judo. I did not know about the judo. Well, very interesting. He knows everything, really. He's, he went, memory went to China and he learned right. it. He said, he said all of this. Oh, he did. It's canon. Uh, some chic, I don't know what chic that was. Some chic manager wanders over to watch. Okay. Who was like, that? I don't, I, they just said the chic. It wasn't Adnan Al Kassi, right? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know because it, they he's don't just show there him. and he doesn't do anything. <laughs> right. Like he doesn't, he, uh, he had no purpose whatsoever. And they literally just call him the chic. Right? Like he's looking for people. <laughs> but the, uh, but the problem is, is Jimmy Hart is managing Supergram. Yeah, so like, he going to manage Craig Carton? Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
Greg, whatever his name is. <laughs> Greg. Meanwhile, Graham walks around the ring and occasionally punches. You know how it is. Yeah, the usual lazy domination, <laughs> like, did nothing. That's 80s Graham for you. I like it, actually. I like, because he, well, because in the karate good. character, it's like, right, like, Bruce Lee, like, usually effortlessly, like, beats the shit out of people. Like, like he Chuck almost Morris. looks like he isn't trying. I'm not even kidding. I think that's what he's trying to ape. You think? I don't think so. I think you're giving him a little too much credit there. I think he's just taking it easy. Snap Mare into a chin lock, but Graham Jimmy Hart does his usual ring said, Yeah, baby, get him, baby. Craig gets to his feet, elbows out of his shoulder block. That has no effect. Graham nails an elbow. Hideous stomps by Superstar and a karate <laughs> chop. Full Nelson by Graham gets the win. More like a pooper star. And this was okay. It was, okay. It was just a squash. squash. Yeah. Graham doesn't break the hold though for a while as Donnie Lalonde again in the in the crowd stands who, up. Yeah, who was this guy? Yeah. He takes off his shirt and he poses at Billy Graham before running into the ring and getting stomped down. So Graham just beats the shit out of him as the announcers are saying that the fans should never do that. But then Terry Funk's like, damn it, somebody should stop this thing. Now, I love this because (laughs) Terry Funk literally, like, like, he says all of that within two seconds. He goes, it's not okay, you shouldn't, like, fans, you shouldn't, like, go in or whatever. And then he's like, two seconds later, don't beat him up! (laughs) It's like, he was just like, he he literally just said, like, oh, if you do that, you're free reign. Like, they they can be the crap out of you yeah. and nobody's gonna like help you right he's like you shouldn't go into the ring stop this yeah exactly <laughs> and then we get a shot of funk at ringside briefly with like his oily hair he looks terrible Ugh. graham celebrates and terry funk he says this stinks as far as i'm concerned what is he the critic <laughs> it stinks it stinks that stinks for the record the fan here fan his name was Steve Constant. What a name. And he, he wrestled, isn't a constant yeah, in wrestling. He wrestled, but not constantly. Billy Graham takes like 17 years to leave the <laughs> ring here. So Terry Funk and Jack Reynolds just keep complaining. Jimmy Hart's like, number one, number one, number one. Well, mm-hmm. a few dumpy face wrestlers come out. They check on this doof while we go to break. We come back now to Jack Reynolds with the AWA world champion, Rick Martel, who's wearing a very stylish suit. He's like if you gave Tony Gurria the world title. Like, he's like... You're not impressed with him, are you? What is this? I never understood why people cared about this. And, like, it's obvious nobody actually cares (laughs) as the show goes on. He's irrelevant. But you like Martel. Yeah, but not this character. You don't like face champion Martel? He stinks. Do you really think so? He's got no personality. That's true. There's nothing to it. That's true. Like, even... Okay, when we get to the match that he's in later, like, you'll see. Like, no... like. Nobody gives a shit. He is a good wrestler, though. Yeah, but that's fine. It- so, <laughs> so is Terry Taylor. Yeah. Right? But, you know, Terry Taylor, nobody gives a shit either that he's such a good wrestler. Yeah. So, like, again, who cares? Good point. Martel says he's very proud to be here and that he's happy to have uh, defeated Jumbo Saruta on May 13th. He says his schedule is very difficult. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of Brad Reingans being the. Yeah, AWA seriously. Like, there. there is. What is. There's nothing to do in AW at this point. Everyone left, everyone went to WF. Like, there's nobody in that company anymore. It's real. <laughs> Sorry. What a champion. Uh, champion of nothing. Wrestling pundit Jack Reynolds predicts that Martell is going to be the champion for a really long time. And his hair looks like pudding. <laughs> he seems like a nobody. Again, like, what a champ. Sorry, Quinn. Uh, Martell goes on about how Harley Race and Dory Funk and Nick Bockwinkle Bob Backlund are all here. All former champions. Kind of impressive. I'll give them that. All old. <laughs> True. Back to the ring now where Lance Russell introduces Dutch Mantel, who unfortunately does take his shirt off. <laughs> his opponent, also in the ring, 
Dory Funk Jr. Yeah, who looks like he's 134 years old. Like, he looks really old. He looks older here than when he's in the WWF in, like, a year. Yeah. Dory Funk, it's so funny because I feel like Terry on commentary the whole time keeps calling him Junior to make him seem younger. Like, I'm not kidding. I don't know, man. This is what he called him. Junior. (laughs) Junior. Like, he keeps saying, like, as if to, like, exemplify, like, no, he's not really 100 years old. Like, you know? (laughs) Terry is funny. He's like, my brother's a legend. He's the best wrestler in the world. Lock up, clean, break on the ropes here. Waistlock takedown by Funk. Mantel with a sit out. Both men up, break in the corner. Jack Reynolds admits that he's never seen Dory Funk Jr. Like, how is this guy fucking employed? <laughs> Seriously. Jack Reynolds is old, too. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't see him in his time. Where do they pull this guy out of? Uh, armbar by Dutch, reversed by Funk into a drop hold, and an armbar of his own. Meanwhile, we get a nice look at old ref sailor tattoos, <laughs> in case you care. Like, really, like, he's got a lot going. More than Tony Guerrero. Even. More than um, Dick Worley? Yeah, no, way Whoa. more. Like these were pretty intense. These okay. sailor tattoos. I gotta say too, I never really noticed this, but Dutch Mantel looks like he's five seven or something because Dory is towering over him. Right, and Dory's not particularly tall. Uh, more nineteen seventy three action here as uh, Mantel works the arm, more arm rolling stuff like that. This gets sort of like tense, oddly, and I'm kind of digging it actually. Like. It's yeah. not, it's like very stiff. No, you're right. Off the ropes now, Dutch with a cruddy crossbody block for a one count, but he then makes the fisticuff motions towards Dory, which is funny. Jack calls him Duke Mantel because why the fuck not anymore? He doesn't get any names right. <laughs> He's terrible. Horrible. I think Mr. Duke Mantel is getting carried away a little bit. Side headlock by Duke here. Terry Funk is still carrying the commentary, of course. Mm-hmm. Push off by Dory. Dutch hangs on. He tries again. No avail. And again, nothing. So Dory just says, fuck it, and lands a back suplex for two. Good stuff. European uppercut by Dory gets two. Snap mare by Dory, but Dutch hops up and gets a backside for one. Dory with a clean break in the corner. Why is this good it like, is. even the crowd is getting hyped like, did you notice that the crowd yeah. got like really loud in this match you know why it's good old school wrestling it really is i'm it's not kidding it's got that feel to it like man are they really punching this each other like it's like you you can hear the the slaps and, yeah, no, and, and the hits look real this heated up and i i really started to get yeah. into it it uh, really goes to show you dutch could besides be like a great heel he's a good wrestler he is a good wrestler and yeah. dory undisputedly is a great wrestler right. there's well, no that's, question that's about dory's that. gimmick yeah. is being a good wrestler so he has to be a good wrestler he lives the gimmick i'll tell yeah. you that much so they wander around the ring for a while lock up again irish whoop off the ropes by dory crisscross shoulder block by dory and <laughs> terry's like that's my brother jack he's doing good isn't he yeah uh, nice body slam by dory and an elbow attention clean our choppers 10 minutes left b17 baumer Double underhook suplex by Dory. Nicely done. That gets two. Russian leg sweep gets two. Dory goes for a vertical suplex, but Dutch with a nice reversal to a pop. He's a house of hair, really. <laughs> yeah, really. Punches now by Dutch. Terry bitches about that. Punches are illegal. Mm-hmm. Irish whip by Dutch. Head down. Dory with a kick and a stomp. Nice hip toss by Dutch. But Dory is able to score a quick backslide for the quick win. This was good. This is oddly <laughs> right? great. Like, and this was a good match. If you had to give it a rating, I'm thinking like three. Three and a half, even. Wow. It got, it just felt intense. It felt like we just lucked into like a real standoff, a, a, just a big fight out of nowhere. Just two like, like solid wrestlers just going at it, right? It, like almost like it started like, you know, one guy hit somebody first and then the other guy's kind of like, oh, you want to like, yeah. you want to go? Like, and it just got really intense. This was good. The quick ending felt sort of realistic. Like after all this hard hitting, it was just like, oh, I gotcha. And then yep. like one, two, three. And it's like, fuck you, asshole. Yep. Like, you know? And Dutch is kind of pissed because he lands a drop kick on Dory after the bell. But Dory gets one of his own that sends Dutch to the outside onto the cement floor. Yeah, cement. Jerry Lawler then appears to help to get Dutch back to the ring. And of course, Jack Reynolds fucking calls him 
<laughs> this is amazing. I don't. <laughs> King Jimmy Lawler. King Jimmy Lawler. Because <laughs> I only saw his back, so I'm like, is there a Jimmy Lawler? No. Like, yeah. No. Jack is just terrible. How does he have a job? Yeah. Horrible. Tommy. Jerry Lawler is like one of the founders of the promotion, and you're going to get his name wrong? He's King Jimmy. It's King Jimmy. Tommy Rich is now suddenly at the announce table, by the way, like out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, man, I hope Dutch is okay. And then suddenly... Paul Ellering what? wanders over no! <laughs> to get in Tommy Rich's face, so Rich kicks his ass. It's good, because, okay, so Paul goes over there, like, I'm the procrastinator of bullshit, blah, 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 fuck you, asshole, and then, like, Tommy Rich is like, fuck off, and he, like, punches him right in the face. It's great. Like, it's amazing. But then, of course, the Road Warriors, who are heel here, they run out, they destroy Tommy Rich, obviously. Yeah. Um, what the hell is going on, though, yeah, This Quinn? was so random, but this show's, like, okay yeah. so far. What is this, EC Dump? <laughs> it is. Like, it's just, like, like that thing. Like, what was that with Tommy Rich? It just I don't know. Happened. Yeah, he just appeared, it's like, oh, I hope uh, Dutch is okay. Oh, you stink, block a knock punch, yeah. Road Warriors, well, yeah. duty. And then they, they, nothing comes of that no, ever again. They just it all goes away. Yeah. We go to break. We come back with our next match. It's uh Keith Eric. Yes, that's really his name. Keith but, Eric versus Mr. Sayato here. Yeah, Sayato himself. Who is of course managed by Jimmy Hart. Longtime manager <laughs> Jimmy Hart. Yeah, exactly. Uh Jack says uh forty million yen are gonna be at stake here. And, and that's actually three hundred and fifty thousand dollars today, so it's not wow. that much, but that's it's, a lot. What do you mean that's not that much? I mean that it's not Forty million dollars. If Keith Eric is able to win a match and get three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, that's yeah. a lot. Quinn. No, I'm just saying that the it's funny because literally right after that, Terry Funk oh, is like, "Wow, forty million. That's a lot. That's like, a lot." And I'm like, "Oh, you don't make it." He just makes it sound like always oh, going to be like a millionaire if he wins. Still a lot of money yeah. though. Saito with some leg crap to start, some slaps, beel toss, choking, side to play, pulls him up at two. Body slam now by Saito, and he puts Keith Eric in the fucking sharpshooter? Yeah, or the cock of the walk. It's 1984, <laughs> which is a huge surprise for that. And I'm sure Brett from the future is, like, pissed at how good or bad this looks. You know, I was actually trained by a guy named Mr. Mr. Hito, but I, I, I didn't mind Mr. Saito putting on the scorpion hold. Uh, I thought he did a pretty good job at it. Give about an 8 out of 10. I thought uh, he didn't do it better than me. That gets the win, of course. Terry Funk's like, yeah, that's the reverse leg hold. Yeah, and even um the uh, ring announcer, Lance Russell's like, <laughs> the winner with the scorpion hold yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, he says it. It's real. Uh, we come back from break now with Ricky Martel making his happy high entrance. Zero fan. Like, no one cares. Like, it's like dead silent. Bonjour. Yeah, like, like, everyone's like, who? Uh-huh. Like, it, like it, world champion. Well, he's in Memphis. No one knows who he is down Still. there, right? That's what I mean. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. It's a Memphis. He's yeah. an AWA guy. They're, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, do you think when Nick Bockwinkle, for example, was the champion, or Vern Gagne, right? Like, I bet you people in Memphis knew who the fuck they were. Well, Memphis, yes, but I think AWA was a little more widespread when those guys were champions. Right, that's my point, though, is nobody knows who Martell no. is at all. Well, and maybe if they know him from other promotions. Right. Oh, that's that guy that teamed up with Tony Gurria and WF or whatever. Maybe. Tito Santana. <laughs> so his opponent, Martel's opponent here, is the spoiler, who is Frank Morell, the the Memphis guy. You might have seen him in Memphis. Mm. He's sometimes a referee. Anyway, Martel is a red. Oh, I remember him, Remember actually. him, Frank Morell? He's like a big deal there, isn't he? Yeah, he's always there. Yeah. Uh, Martel's got red tights on, lock up and a wrist lock by Martel in the ropes, clean break. Another lock up, wrist lock into a hammer lock by Martel. 
Nick Bockwinkel now is on commentary for no discernible reason other than to just talk shit about Martell. Like, that's all that <laughs> I, I see going like this on. better than the match. Yeah, well, because be yeah, there's nothing going on in this yeah. match, right? Literally nothing is even important. No, it's nothing. Yeah, it's horrible. Uh, Irish whip and elite frog and then a drop kick by Martell into an arm drag. Bockwinkle says, no, he's going to beat Martell one day. Knee left by the spoiler. Irish whip and a kick. Irish whip again as Bockwinkle stirs up some shit by saying that Terry Funk was the ref. When Bockwinkle lost the belt to Jumbo Sharuda, who in turn dropped it to Martell, right. Terry's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Atomic drop by Martell, back body drop, cross body off the ropes, gets the win for Martell. Really, four people care. Yeah. It's, it's like really like dead. It was a squash, too. Yeah. It was just, yeah. He kind of is like a Bob Backlund 83 champion. Right. Like, that's the that. problem. Yeah. It's like this promotion. It's like we got Bob Backlund and Rick Martell. Like, great. And they're competing against where? WF. Hulk Ooh, Hogan. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, Roddy Piper. Right. Like, Jimmy Snuka. Yeah. Big John you don't have to like their in-ring. You don't have to like what they do, but those are fucking... They're entertaining. Entertaining names. I like Martell as a wrestler. Great wrestler. Seriously. He really is. I really like him. But how are you going to compete? They got nothing on Hulk Hogan versus Roddy Piper feud. That's what I mean. They got nothing on that. Anyway, spoiler attacks Martell after the bell, but Martell's like, fuck off, puts the spoiler on the Boston Crab. Still nobody gets it. There's <laughs> yeah. like no reaction to it. It's amazing. No pop or anything. We now throw to an interview with the fabulous, more than really, Jackson, <laughs> Jack Reynolds says, these guys cause havoc wherever <laughs> they go. Steve Kern has hair like 2012 Barbara Streisand, by the way, it looks terrible. Stanley cuts a crummy promo, which is surprising because he's usually good, about how they like to do two things. Pin guys and have a good time. And he literally has a blouse on, like L- like lit, like literally the cut, like for the bra part. Like I'm not <laughs> making it up. It's like low, like you know what I mean, right? Like, I do. Yeah, it's like, like a blouse. You see his pecs like bursting through, well, like their boobs. He's <laughs> like it's weird looking. Sharp dressed man. Yeah. Skinner says that the, you know pro wrestling USA the finest wrestling. Blah blah blah. Jack goes on about how the ladies like them, and Stan says it's because. <laughs> they're taking a 50s concept and modernizing it in the 80s by using music videos and shaking hands. He's literally like, yeah, we're taking that gorgeous George stuff and we're going to make it good. Or <laughs> like, It, it wasn't good at all <laughs> since then. I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, back to ringside for our last match, sadly, here. First, we have Len Denton and Tony Anthony, the Dirty White Boys. Yeah, Tony Anthony, like all cheery. Yeah, fresh-faced. Nice and young. We like him yeah. on the show, it's folks. It's weird seeing him so young. He's very young here, yeah. yeah. And their opponents, Hacksaw Butch Reed and Tony Atlas. What a weird team. Very odd, like, all of this, right? All, all of it. The, everything going on here. Now, Tony Atlas was on a break from WWF. Well, that's he, good for him. He was in like, and out, like, all the sucks. time. Yeah, I know. Uh, he will be back. Don't worry. But right now, he's not there. What do you mean, don't worry? I'm worried. He'll be no, back. Don't worry. He'll <laughs> be back. It's okay. So the Tonys start. Anthony and Atlas. Lockup fireman's carry by Atlas. Weight lock, waist lock by Atlas. And Anthony can't get out, so he gets all huffy about it. Tags in Denton. Arm ringer into an arm bar by Tony Atlas. Tagged Butch Reed. Arm ringer by Reed. But Denton fights out. Slams Reed in the corner. Funk calls him Bruce Reed. <laughs> His real name. Dwayne Reed. <laughs> Slug- he didn't say that. <laughs> Slugfest is won by Dwayne Reed and sold very nicely by Denton here. Atlas comes back in with a corner whip and a monkey flip. Why is Tony Atlas always better, Quinn, in every other promotion yeah. other than WWF? Again, who yeah, I was thinking the same, like, who is this Tony? He like he knows moves. Yeah, he always like, has more personality and everything. That monkey flip was incredible. Like, Everything he's doing know, is better. I was like, how the hell? Why doesn't he just do this in WF? Anytime we see him in WWF, he's always like, Ugh, and he sucks. 
But if we see him here, NWA, fucking AWF. A hundred times better. Always better. It's crazy. Maybe he just didn't try there. Maybe they just, they had like, they were like, no, he's that Mr. USA, like body right. man version or whatever. That's probably Vince's idea. Like, don't do much. Just Saba pose Simba. a lot. <laughs> don't bring <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, that this was Vince's is, idea, this is, like, too, I'm what sure. they do with him. I know. Uh, Den with an eye gouge and a turnbuckle slam, but Atlas no-sells. Irish whip by Den and elbow smash for two. Big kick out by Tony Atlas. Tony Anthony back in now. They double-team for a bit. Irish whip by Anthony in a very crummy clothesline. Side headlock, but Atlas retaliates with a back suplex. Uh, Denton back in with punches. Elbow drop misses. Tag to Reed. Slugs away on both guys. Double knocker. Blind tag to Atlas, who comes in off the top rope with a headbutt. And a splash for the win. And literally after the pinfall, the video immediately cuts off, which is okay with me. Fine. I'm fine with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, it's fine. But as far as the show, Quinn, it was odd. Yeah. Uh, it was bizarre because for me, it didn't feel like I was watching an NWA show, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like I was watching an AWA show. It didn't it, even feel Memphis-y. No. Or, I don't, it's like, it had its own thing, which actually might be a good thing. That's a good yeah. thing, right? But honestly, it was pretty good. Yeah, this show was like surprisingly fun. A strange, strange mix of wrestlers. Like you have to admit, oh, like, yeah. oh, I wouldn't be surprised if Ric Flair is just on some other episode. I'm sure of this. he is. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I just wish more crossover shows like this existed. Yeah. I guess it's just too much of a good thing. I suppose. Well, like, yeah. Uh, from what I understand, I think. Don't quote me. I'm just doing this off memory, but I think that. <laughs> Crockett was still trying to sign the AWA guys like while this was going on. Of course he was. Because they just, it's you know, just a, this is that incident that Greg's talked about. Probably. Where, like they like did this together. The minute they did it, like Jim Crockett got in the locker room. Yep. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll give you $10,000 if you fucking leave. Pretty and much. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, why are we even working with you? See, and of course, you know, Greg Gagne, I understand where he comes from because he's also very bitter about Vince. Like, oh, he's stealing guys from everywhere. One word on that, and I'm not trying to be pro-Vince, because Vince is obviously a scumbag in his own right. Yeah. Vince isn't forcing wrestlers to sign with him. No. he Like, he's not he's not against his will, against I, their will. I, he's offering something better than what they currently have. That's not word, stealing. A word, though, on Greg Gagne with this. Go ahead. I want to say this, is Greg Gagne was clearly, like, trained in what the rules of the system were prior to the 80s. Oh, yeah. And in his eyes, he sees it as, like, no, there's strict rules, and you have to, like, you don't do that. That's, like, frowned upon. Which Vince completely threw right. that rule and book away. I think away. that was the problem. Yeah. Is that a guy like Greg, he was younger, he was supposed to, like, inherit Vern's, but he was still operating by the old playbook. Right. So he looked at this, like, the minute that Crockett started taking guys on this, he's like, well, we can't work with him now. Right. Like, yeah. it I- wasn't Greg being an ass. It was Greg, no, no, no. like, this is, like, this is the way it works. Like, this is how, what my dad taught me. Like, this is, like, how we do it. Yep. And like we said, unsurprisingly, this fell apart rather quickly, and AWA went back to doing their own thing, and the NWA stuff continued on. Right. Uh, And seriously, though, my biggest question, why was Jack Reynolds here, and why did Vince employ him? I don't know. He is awful, folks. Like you said, it was probably just to, like... Just because he could, right? Just to get revenge, and to, like, fill... Like, didn't Jack Reynolds, he used to do, like, weird, like, Spectrum or whatever shit, right? Well, he did, no, he did All-Star with uh, Angelo Mosca. Oh, right, and they made it on that primetime in the beginning. Primetime for the first six months until they're like, get the fuck out of here, and they brought Gorilla in to do it. (laughs) Thank God. But anyway, folks, yeah, this wasn't bad. Yeah. I don't think, you know, again, we didn't see the world world champion Ric Flair on this. Even with Jack Reynolds, like... (laughs) He's not the guy. But he's not... He doesn't ruin this show, though, because Terry Funk is very good. It would have been... No, I agree. 
But you know what? If Gordon Soley would have been here, or Lance Russell even, or Lance Russell, if they just had him do it, a million, anyone, whoever the hell was in AWA, fucking Rod Trongar, was he there? Somebody else. I think they really, honestly, Joe, with the commentary situation, I think they wanted to be like neutral party kind of thing. They didn't want to have the voice of, you know, any Memphis with yeah, Lance Russell true. or like, you know, that or kind Soley. Of yeah. Or, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Overall, good show. If you want to watch it again, it's on YouTube. It's the October 20th, 84 Pro Wrestling USA. That's my final thoughts on it. Pretty good. Yeah. Not bad at all. Surprisingly good. I it thought was I'd actually hate it. okay. Yeah, I thought you'd hate it. I thought I would hate it, too. You texted me after you watched it. You're like, wow, that Doria-Dutch uh, match was good. I it was, was excellent. I that thought, match was great. I thought Quinn would hate that match. I loved it because it got stiff early, and I recognized it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is really fun. That's not a blue chew ad. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for being with us here as we have romped you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. February is coming to a close, but WrestleMania season is heating up. And on our Twitter, you can be sure to follow us there at OVP Podcast. Lots of WrestleMania moments and things are going to be coming on the Twitter. Also, you can join the group if you want to talk about the wrestling. Yes. That's what we do there. We, we talk about it. We talk about the wrestling. And if you want to get your hands on some reviews and things like that, go to patreon.com slash OVP Podcast and leave us a review on iTunes if you use that but until next time until next week i'm joe Murata. that's michael quinn and we'll see you in march see ya two gentlemen wherever they go cause excitement havoc and create opportunities for themselves and i'm talking about the fabulous ones Thanks a lot, Jack. You know, it's a pleasure for Steve and I to be here on Pro Wrestling USA, the major league of professional wrestling. You know, the fabulous ones travel all over the country, all across the world, the major cities. But there's one thing we like to do, and that's do best, and that's get in the ring and beat guys. I'm talking about pinning guys shoulders to a mat for a one, two, three count. And after all the wrestling is done, brother, the party begins because the fabulous ones like to do two things. That's pin guys and have a good time. You come to see us, and brother, you'll have a good time. Right, Steve? You know, I just want to add, you know, Pro Wrestling USA may be new to this area, but I'll tell you what, it's the finest you'll ever see. We're coming to your area, and we're looking forward to seeing each and every fan come out there and give us total support because we're going to get out there, and we're going to give you 110% every time we step in the ring. You gentlemen, wherever you go, wherever you wrestle professionally, all over the country, the ladies come out, they seem to enjoy you, you have your own unique style, and you guys really uh, do some great action in that ring.